Welcome to Encounter. This is a podcast and radio show where we seek to encounter Christ, culture, and community. I almost panicked and said each other like the old intro <laughs> used to be. I feel and like it changes every time, to be honest. Yeah. It changes every time? It switches back and forth. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. All right. Well, you get the I mean, gist. the one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> Christ, culture, and puppies. It's, not, <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. All right, and this week we have with us a special guest, Craig Hobbins. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. You hear hey. that voice? He sounds great. Uh, Looks voice, great. A voice yeah, and a face you. made for a podcast. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shots, kidding. Fired. Shots fired already. Definitely. Just kidding. No. Uh, we are um, sitting here tonight, and we're going to be talking through, uh, first of all, his testimony, and we're going to hear it, and, and – um, it's cool because I get to see from an outside perspective and a historical perspective because I've, I think I've been a, involved in your life at different parts of the testimony. So I'm excited to, to see where what parts you highlight and see if I'm made out to be the good guy or bad guy in it. Yeah. And yeah. All right. So Craig, so tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. Yeah. No. Uh, thanks for having <laughs> me out tonight. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Hey. <laughs> um. So, I was um. Like others, I was kind of born into a family that was very active um, in a Presbyterian church, to be more specific. Um, and I always say it comes with kind of a double-edged sword um, with that. I liken my path to what I call a trust fund Christian, where um, being brought up in it, you kind of take it for granted um, going through it. Kind of like a trust fund baby would kind of like just blow money um, and not really understand and grasp it. Um, that's how it's always, uh, was growing up. But, um, the other side of that, you also had that great foundation within the church. My parents were very active, uh, midweek ministry and, you know, Sunday schools and everything. Um, I even remember a vivid memory when I was like four or five, my parents and each one of us going around the table saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And it got to me and I said, no, I'm, I'm a Craig. Because Christian was the bully next door, and I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want to be him. Uh-huh. Um, That's all. Awesome. So, you know, even from before I could even understand um, what it was, I had that um, loving support of Christ, and you know, all of that through my family. Um, I was very active in the church growing up. Um, a benefit of the church that I was raised in um, around like high school, and around like fourteen, I guess it was. Uh, you went through a confirmation. So you went through a year-long class um, where you not only learned, you know, more about the gospel um, and everything that comes with that, but we also learned about, you know, different ministries outside of the church. Um, Is that like a Catholic church? No, this was a Presbyterian Protestant. Oh, you said that already. Okay, so we say confirmation, it threw me through a loop. That's usually a Catholic thing, right? It's very similar um, to that because I know other people would go to CCD, you know, on Wednesday nights, and I would be going to my confirmation class, Okay. you know, throughout the year. Um, went on different retreats, and that's actually where I was saved, okay. um, wow. was through this retreat, um, accepted the gift. Um, and But it was great, because you got to see a perspective. We would also go to uh, different religious services as well. So we went to a Catholic church, we went to, you know, a synagogue, and everything like that. Hmm. Um, it was very beneficial. But... Um, with that being said, once you do get confirmed in my church, you're seen as like an adult and that's it. So there was nothing really to grow throughout like high school. Um, I know you've talked previously about, you know, youth, um, involvement in ministry Mm -hmm. within the church and that being such a big point 
that I had it up until that point of high school where I think it would have been more beneficial. Um, so I go through that in high school. That's when um, I started struggling with some anxiety and depression um, and falling into decisions and activities of this world. Um, I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg that came first. Mm. Uh, those decisions that led to um, the mental health you know, issues or vice versa. I'm curious. I was hoping you'd, have, you'd solve that for us tonight. Right? Um, so I was just thinking, I was waiting for it. Yeah, it's very mm. philosophical. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a good uh, philosopher, yeah. I will say. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure which came first, but um, continued throughout, you know, making those decisions. Still being active in the church, um, and even through college, being involved in, you know, the Campus Crusades and the different ministries throughout there, but... What college you, know, you been uh, So... Started at Drexel okay. and then graduated from Arcadia University. It's okay. a little, little liberal arts college, mm-hmm. uh, North Philadelphia. Um, both having the the Christian ministries through there. Right. Um, so she went from a dragon to a a dragon to a knight. Okay. Right. Hey, the knight slayed the both dragon. Both sides of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, also throughout college, uh, the summers, I went and worked at a Bible camp uh, as a counselor. Um, you know, growing my faith and strength of ministry through that work. Um, and then I would say it, I went on a field study to New Zealand and Australia, um, in between my junior and senior year of college, right before coming back, uh, to be a counselor at this camp. Um, and I remember there's maybe 40 of us on this trip. Um, and whoever the chaperone or the professor was, uh, asked everyone to raise their hand if they still believed in creationism. Um, and being one out of 40 people who actually raises your hand, that Mm. puts a Mm. huge target on you, um, Mm. for people to come and question you. And if you're not training apologetics, which I know you guys are big fans of, um, like I was not at this time, Mm -hmm. uh, you can only try to talk somebody into your faith and your beliefs so much um, as you can when they're looking at it from an academic mindset. Well, well what was the purpose so, of him asking? Was he just trying to get a feel for it, or was he... I think so. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, was, was it a biology class? It was um, kind of like an environmental sustainability and culture. I was there more for the culture. Um, and we were with this Aboriginal tribe um, okay. who have their different like evolutionary beliefs or... Mm-hmm. Um, whatnot. Um, and that's how I came up. Um, so then, so wait, this. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so this, <laughs> yeah, tribe, this tribe was here. No, no, this was in Australia. Got it. Okay. Yep. yep. It was uh, like an eight week field study, backpacking okay. through both countries. Gotcha. Um, I remember in New Zealand when you went there, and I remember yes. Brazil. Brazil, I went in 2018. You went much. I later. like to travel. A yeah. Lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, for anyone who may not know me, listening right now. Um, I do like to travel as much as I can. I think it's good for the soul mm-hmm. and everything, uh, just to see how others live uh, in their cultures. Um, but to backtrack, uh, you know, going through this experience, um, not being as prepared to have those answers for others mm-hmm. started to make me kind of question. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much doubt, but just question mm-hmm. um, my own. And then coming into this camp, I just don't think I was ready um, to be a counselor. And then there were a couple of events that happened 
at the camp that um, I still disagree with how things were handled to this day um, and led for me to struggle um, even more with, you know, how could a God who loves us so much, you know, um, bring these doubts and questions into, like, children who were, like, five. Um, Adam, I know you're more familiar with what happened, but mm -hmm. I don't want to get too much into it, but... Um, well, I mean, just, yeah. just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to give any more detail about that, what happened yeah, specifically, yeah. but like to paint the picture of it though, it's like something traumatic happened to a kid, you know, yes. and it was hard to handle, yeah. like, especially if you're coming in without that, with, with questions already. And then you see something so traumatic happen and then, you know, you didn't think, we didn't think it was handled the best way or whatever. Right. Um, that, that would cause that divide to be more and more torn apart. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that. You know, I kind of broke ways with uh, where that was, and it led to a couple years of me um, never, never really doubting God or Christ or anything like that, um, but more just being angsty and angry, um, and just questioning, you know, why something like this could, you know, lead this kind of traumatic experience to a kid. Um, so, went through my own you know, experiences of trying to get through this, um, and everything. Um, you know, so then I started getting active in, uh, drumming for worship music and ministry, um, at different churches. And, um, that was kind of my gateway back into almost like healing mm -hmm. through these things, kind of just dipping my toes back into the water. Um, funny enough at the same camp, I remember there being a guest pastor who I can't remember if it was pastor Vince or not. Um, but he did do a lesson on your path and your journey with God, um, isn't always straight, you know, a straight path. Um, and there's times that you'll be walking towards it. And then there's other times that you'll turn your back and you'll start walking away. Um, and that kind of resonated me, especially at that time. Um, and still to this day that, you know, you can have a path, like that um but you're always coming back to god and he's always going to open you you know welcome you back with open mm -hmm. arms yeah. Yeah. everything like that and it's it's just amazing um so getting back into ministry drumming um you know vince and you asked me to come and play every now and then and then it got more and more into it and then you know joining the 20s something group back when i was a 20 something <laughs> um Getting more engaged with that, you know, coming to church more regularly, um, definitely having the expository teaching that we have at our church uh, was something that I never grew up with and something that was missing in my life, I think. Um, so going through there and then meeting my wife, um, that's a whole other testament to God mm. that I left my entire dating experience up to him. Mm. I said, I'm not looking for anyone anymore. I'm going to let whoever the next woman that you bring into my life, that's going to be, you know, I'm trusting you that that's the person that I'm going to marry. And then here I am to this day, you know, hey. now I'm married to her. Uh, shout out. Yeah. We all like her. So, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. She's okay. She's all right. She's cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So now we've been coming regularly. Um, both of us serve at the church. Um, that's how it stands at the moment. Nice man. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot, lot in there too because yeah. I think yeah. some of the stuff we wanted to hit on tonight 
uh, you hit on like the need for apologetics, the the role of anxiety mm-hmm. and, and how handle it as a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, because it's there's a lot of I don't know if misconceptions of the word, but a lot of things that Christians say about anxiety that yeah. I think are incorrect. Mm-hmm. Almost, yes, yeah, the stigmas the that stigmas. come around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to put the caveat out there that anything that I will say tonight um, that remotely touches mental health um, is my own anecdotal experience. Um, although I have two degrees in psychology, I am not a therapist or a professional. So, um, neither if, are any of us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Neither are any well, of us. You here. definitely. Yeah, you're like, I'm not, a, I'm not a professional, but I have two masters <laughs> in it. And it's like, two, oh, you're, you're took two classes. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, but not a, not a professional at all. Yeah. So, if it's something that somebody out there does struggle with, I do um, highly encourage seeking professional help, whether it's through you know, a Christian counselor or even a secular therapist or doctor. Um, or anything like that. Yeah. And and having served in ministry in, with 20-somethings for a, well over, not well over, but just over a decade now, Yeah, that is like the num- top three issues people deal with, that's in there. Right. And, yeah. But it will never be spoken out loud in no. public. And that's why, that's why I think it's so important for you to come on and, and, and talk about this, because it needs to be spoken of out loud. Right. And yeah. I, just like, for example, like uh, uh, year ago now we just had some friends over and we were, we were hanging out at my house and Allison was just explaining my wife uh, that mm-hmm. after we had um, Addison she was like struggling with some anxiety just like mm-hmm. generalized anxiety and there was like four wives that were down here and they were like wait you too mm-hmm. and there was like immense healing in that moment where they were all just like comparing how they're struggling with anxiety and right. it was all of them every single person down there was like i've been wrestling with this i i'm just like i, I have a hard time sleeping you know right after the baby it was a little harder mm. and it was just like why didn't you talk about this earlier right like, why why wasn't this something where you know if you're struggling with alcoholism you're struggling with you know these big public sins you're really quick to be like hey man can you help me not drink and when we mm-hmm. go out next time Absolutely. Yeah. but if you're struggling with something that's just as real it's just harder to see right it's taboo. Right. And it manifests in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing's going to be the same for everyone. Um, and I think it's also that when when you are struggling with something like this, you always think that somebody else has it worse than you. So mm-hmm. why bring it up if, you know, it's almost trivial what I'm dealing with compared to what somebody else is, but they might be looking at it the same way. It's mm. a good point. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I'll, I'll share like my like wrestling with it throughout the night. I don't know if right now is the right time, but mm-hmm. I, I have my own like testimony with anxiety as well. And, and uh, the past few years, it's been uh, something I've had to never, I've really never struggled with it in the past. I, I don't, maybe I did and I didn't know, but before, when I got into college, it started a little bit and then it got worse, mm-hmm. but I never had to figure out how to manage it right. before. So I had no tools, you know, right. when I finally did experience it. And I've been getting a toolkit for the last couple of years, you know, yeah, yeah. and working on it. And I've done every, like when I first started wrestling, then I was able to identify it. I just read a bunch of books, right? Like secular psychology books, trying to figure out, and then Christian books, and some were completely useless. Like I, I mean, being honest, like some of the books that I read were just like prayed away kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And right. although I, I don't want to th- toss that aside, because I know some certain Christians that. I've talked to you or probably listening and just like want to throw a book at me for saying that's not the best. It is the best way to start Right, is to pray about your anxiety. Absolutely. It's just sometimes the answer to prayer is doctors. Yeah. And medicine. Medicine yeah. and books. Luke and, was a physician, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. And 
anyway, I know that there's a big stigma in the Christian community because uh, I mean the verses that I when I was kind of prepping just some scriptures today I talk about anxiety. That but what scriptures off before? What scripture would you think would be mentioned as the as about anxiety? Philippians four, four six. six. Yep. And this was the one that was mentioned during COVID, right? Especially about the pandemic and people are worried about you know the virus coming around. This was like posted by every you know Christian. <clears throat> who likes to hand select verses? Yeah, um, this is poor opinions. And uh, you know, do not be anxious. Uh, uh, Philippians four six says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, be in prayer and petition um, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which trends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." So, this is where, I, and I, and you guys can agree and disagree with me, but when I was reading this, it is pretty clear, like. When you when you have when you're worried about something, just submit it to God. He'll take care of you, and then repeat that process enough times, and you'll start to have trust. Right, it makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't disagree. Obviously, I don't disagree with the Bible. Um, but what I'm generalized anxiety isn't that. Like generalized anxiety is when you don't know what's making you anxious, right. and that's what I've always Correct. struggled with. Yes, mm-hmm. is where I just feel tight. I feel like something, you know, sit, some sitting on my chest, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is. And sometimes my prayer is, God, please reveal to me what the anxiety is, so I can get rid of it. And sometimes it's like I'm not handling money the way I should, or I'm not loving my wife the way I should, and I just it's a part of my life that's not in God's will, and I just don't know it. I don't realize it until, you know, I pray about it and like right. God reveal it to me, and then I can fix it. But I don't think. It's right to say that if you're anxious at all, it's you're sinning. That's right. just crazy. Um, I know psychology people saying we're crazy. He's probably mad at me for saying we're crazy. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but it's okay. Haters gonna hate. Um, but that, that that specific verse, I, I I agree that it does deal with ang- worry. But anxiety to me, and I have the definition like the all the fancy definitions of anxiety here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I most of the times when I've struggled with it, I don't know what. Is causing it, so Correct. I don't know how to. So I lay yeah. it at God's feet as a general thing, but it doesn't evaporate instantly, right? You know, yeah, because you you can't always identify what it is that's bothering you, um, and it's not always logically reasonable mm-hmm. uh, what may be bothering you. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, a lot of times it can manifest physically. Um, what I've struggled with most of my life. Um, if have you ever watched like a horror movie, mm-hmm. and then there's a jump scare that happens, and then yeah. you know. You feel that yeah, almost yeah. like tightness in your chest yeah, and yeah. that, um, that feeling, but longer, almost not oh, acute, okay. but like chronically, mm. um, like that for lots of periods of time. Um, it sounds awful. Right. And it's hard to tell somebody who's experiencing something like that. Um, and just to tell them, well, don't worry. Christ has got it. And it's, you know, it's, it's a great answer, but sometimes you don't always want to hear that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. You and I are married, you know, other ones with our significant others. Um, Whenever they've come to you with problems, you know, freaking out about something, um, you go, okay, well, hold on, calm down. Oh, yeah. Those are probably the worst (laughs) words you can say to somebody in that situation. And it's almost, um, that's how you can feel sometimes um, Mm -hmm. when you're getting responses like these. I can think of one worse thing to say, but I'm not going to say it, but every husband knows exactly what it is. So, um, so yeah, so that uh, there's an episode of Parks and Rec um, where it's excellent. I showed it to uh, Allison. I showed it to everybody I know that it's like in a marriage. There's a Chris Traeger's like just really high maintenance dude who's r- real 100 miles an hour or zero, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. 
he's dating um, Rashida Jones. I forget her name in the show, and and she's pregnant, and she just is complaining to him, and she she's you know saying like I'm really gassy, and he runs in with gas X, and he's got all these treatments for it, and mm-hmm. she said like I'm hurting this, he runs in, he fixed the problem. And then she goes to her friend's house and she's just like, he's so annoying. He fixes everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, and she's like, all I want him to say is, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just acknowledge that it stinks and let mm-hmm. it move on. And I think that's true. Even, I mean, I'm not just saying that's in a marriage, but in general, mm-hmm. sometimes people just need to hear. You just need a vent. Yeah. 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 And you'd be surprised as, especially as a teacher, like if you just listen how often the kids just speak to me mm-hmm. and people will often they'll be making a, a, an anecdote about a student and they're just be how annoying that they're struggling and, and I'll be like you know his dad just died last week I'm like how do you know that I'm like because I just shut how up for a listen? second and I yeah, just listened yeah. to him when he started talking right um, yeah so that's a good point um, another I mean I have a couple other uh, chapters here that, and I think who did a Bible study recently where they mentioned this. Was it Sean with the, I'm talking about, name dropping, um, talking about the birds of the sky. Um, and how, mm-hmm. So anyway, Matthew yeah, 6, and, 25, Matthew Sermon Amount. Yeah. 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 And this is another one, and this is, again, uh, it is pertaining to this. Um, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you, are, what you will wear. Um, is not life more than food and body more than clothes? And look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Amen. Like, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I just can tell you whenever I've been anxious, it's never been about those things. Right. Same. And maybe because right. those things have been met, because I'm in a fresh world country and I have time <laughs> to worry about other things. True. Very true. And the, yeah, the era, yeah, the era that you're born in. Yeah. Back then, you know, I was like... That was what they might right. have to That's the only things you have to worry about. But yeah. there have been right. a couple times where I have had to worry, like very few, but had had to worry about, you know, growing up, food or right. mortgage or, you know, things like that that were big and were these, and they didn't really bother me because I was like, oh, that, you know, God told me about this one. You know, I don't know why. Just the big things don't make stress make me stressful. It's the small things or... Oh, know. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I can have life-threatening things happen to me and be cool as a cucumber but almost like the smallest things that's mm. that's right away um so like i said it's n- it's not always very rarely actually reasonable um as to mm. why you're experiencing any anxiety but you know it just happens yeah and and i think this is a quote from i believe it's max lucado he wrote the book called anxious for nothing and i highlighted this in the book when i was reading it it says, anxiety is not so much the onslaught of a storm as continual threat that one is coming. Well, that was pretty accurate. Yeah. And it says, we have been taught that the Christian life is one of peace. and we don't have peace, we assume the problem is within us, which leads us to feel guilty. And I think that's also a problem in the Christian faith. Um, while, but while the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, the prison of anxiety is optional. And I like that too. It says, when Paul writes to be anxious for nothing, he is saying, don't let anything leave you perpetually in angst and breathless. The prescription for anxiety is to rejoice in the Lord. This is not a call to a feeling, but to a decision. Mm. Also, I, I think a, a big thing to mention is, that's, that's he's coming from chapter four with that, and uh, chapter four starts with a therefore. Mm. So if you go back to chapter three, he's talking, he's saying therefore, what he's talking about in chapter three is that we're all citizens of heaven. Yeah. So like we're keeping just keeping our eyes on right. We're like just that. passing through this. So mm-hmm. whatever you're anxious about is going to have a termination. Right. Like it's going to. This is just a, like a vapor in your hand. Um, so he, he says that. And he says therefore, 
and he comes into mm. all, to all this. Do you think that we are anxious because our needs are met? So I have a thing about that, but did you, did you have oh, go ahead. So, well, you, you just it remind, you reminded me about that with the uh, the clothes and the food and everything like that. Um, when I was overseas, I got to, you might have some similar story, mm-hmm. but uh, I got to go into the jungles um, with people who lived there and just I mean one hundred percent like never come out, mm-hmm. don't know that there's even internet, like they don't they don't know anything. Yeah. Um, they haven't they have remedies from everything for they know what, what different plant leaves do for for this and for that and. They don't have school, but they also just don't also have stress. And their only stressors are when's the next meal coming from, but they've mastered it. Like they don't even have, they, but when I say they barely have clothes, like it's, we're talking leaves. Right. Yeah. So it, it, like you don't even have to search for clothes. And I remember experiencing that thinking like, wow, like I was mind blown that people like this actually exist. were able to not, not, not only exist, but like they were good at it. I had this guy like just a bam, bamboo and a machete. He he made cups. He made drinks. Uh, uh, he made uh, not drinks, but he made cups. He made forks and knives for everybody. And um, I was mind blown. And then I was I remember I remember leaving. We stayed with him for like two days. I remember leaving. Like I think we might be all we might all have it wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. you know, it's like that. Yep. We create so much so much more stress than there actually needs to be. Right. Um, and in in those cultures where it does have that stress and hardship. I've only ever seen beauty come out of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's because we have all of that met. We don't really rely on ourselves and each other mm-hmm. as much. We're, yeah, I mean, I think that's – I was trying to get to that, but I don't know if I could say for sure that it's the – I mean, I don't either, because then I went down the tra- you know I went down the, the, the rabbit hole thinking like, well, then what happens if one of their kids gets sick? And then it's like, you know. Right. But maybe they've just – have a certain callus to that mm. where like they, they, they appreciate like the life. Yeah. And maybe a kid's going to go at five, but some of them also live to like 120. So, you know, cause mm-hmm. they don't have any chemicals and things going on. Yeah. Um, also another thing is you have to be able, you have to have a kid, like, it's easy to do that in a warm climate place. You can't be like that in Siberia, you know? It's, so. Sure. Yeah. Elon Musk, he, he, uh, had two reasons. So he recently, in the past couple of years, sold everything he owned, and yep. he only has one small house, mm-hmm. and it's a. It might be an apartment. It's a prefab. Yeah, it's like yeah. It's, it's like real small. Trying to save money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, uh, the interviewer was making fun of him. Rogan was making fun of him for mm-hmm. sound. I was like, "What are you doing? Like, why? Are you, same deal. Like, are you trying to make money?" And he said, "One, it gives people less to throw rocks at because they're like, oh, you, you know, you're doing all these things because you yeah. make all this money.' And what was his, his second reason was that your things you own own you." Mm. Yeah, and I was like, "That's so true." Even though for him, like, he could hire people that could take care of it, don't own him, but even just like a small thing, like, I own a tractor because I have a lawn. That tractor, if I don't maintain it, will drain money from me. Will be a a, a, a plague on my mind. You know, like every mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. season that comes around where I have to start mowing the lawn mm-hmm. it takes me a full day to get the oil filter and swap it out and like you know change the belt and the new plates. Mm-hmm. And it's like I know that that thing now owns one day a year, mm. right, of my life. And I'm not complaining about it. I understand that's a normal thing as a grown up. You have responsibilities, but if you if you compound that by fifty things yeah, that you right. now own, right. you lose I mean, just fifty days. Right. Just look at this table. Cole doesn't have that problem. Yep. Cole doesn't have a lawn. Yeah. Nice. So that's one less that like mm-hmm. his tractor literally can't break down because he doesn't have one. Yeah. You know, it's like um, we have somebody on the media team that doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah. Think about how many times you dropped yours and now got to get a new screen. Now got to get it. You know, mm-hmm. how much is this going to cost? Yeah. You know, and it's. 
literally not even in some people's brains. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the idea of minimalism um, in the society is so romantic mm-hmm. to us mm-hmm. because striving for that simpler life um, is, I, I think, something that all of us want, but for some reason, we just keep wanting more and more and mm-hmm. more. Yeah. And I'm not sure what actually drives that. Yeah. Greed. Greed. Is yeah. I guess. Only yeah. Trying to like find that little itch yeah, to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, I mean, if some of the, if, if he's one of the wealthiest men in the world next to Jeff Bezos, they keep going back and forth and yeah. like, he's very calmly just given up almost all worldly possessions. Now I'm not saying it's as out, it's uh, altruistic is selfless, right? Yeah. Selfless. Selfless. Um, for some reason, for a long time, I thought it meant selfish. Like you're very no, altruistic, no, no, that, like yeah. in a negative. Um, but like it appears that he also can fall back on his billions. So like it's yeah. not like right, he's, yeah, he's I mean, in a bad. Yeah. It's not like he's you know living the dirt. But right. if he's figured out that you know to live as be as his goal is to get to the moon and create a civilization and everything on the moon, right? And he's realized that mission is primary. And if having ten cars gets in the way of that and owns him, so he doesn't have enough time to plan that, then he's not going to own those ten cars. Mm. And you know, we have a mission too, and we also pile things up. Mm. Right. And if, you know, we had that same sort of mindset, no, I'm not saying he's, he's not even a believer, but the idea is you have a mission, you go for it, everything else fades away, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. cast aside the shackles. So run that race. And it's nice when you get to see a secular person like doing it better than, than we are. So it kind of like motivates you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's like they're doing it for temporary things. We're doing it for permanent, eternal, you know. Yeah, although that's why, I mean, I, Philippians, to me at least, Philippians 4, 6 is much more meaningful mm-hmm. than Matthew's. I think it's just because, just personally speaking, like like you said, like those are never really a worry for me. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that's because with the basic essentials of life, we have them and we're fortunate to have them. Also, we have safety nets. Like, God forbid something happens to your house. Like the electrical thing, you know, like mm-hmm. a corner on fire. You know, your mom would open the doors, you know, or Allison's mom yeah. would open the door. Like, some people don't have that. Right. It's like now I'm on the streets, like yeah. you know, like we're now what? So it's like you know, yeah. it's weird to think that a lot of people still think about the Matthew verse. That it's hard to it's hard to get there, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the homeless ministry that happens in yeah. Atl- Atlantic City on Saturdays, people. That's it. Yeah. Relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we so. Um, if we're trying to like find factors that might or might not be causing anxiety, like one could be amassing wealth and letting them own you. Is that kind of one of the ones where def- like material stuff? Yeah. Material yeah. stuff. Letting it own you. Yeah. What would be another one you guys could think of that might be like a source? I, I, I can tell you mine, but I want to see if you guys have the same one first. The unknown. Okay. Mm-hmm. That might be vague. I might, that, that's cheating, but you know, no, just, it's not vague. I get it. Yeah. Just not knowing like your path or wh- where it's going to go or, how to even get there or mm. anything like that. And just that, all that, like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, and just like, building up, like not being in control. Right. Right. That kind yeah. Of what that yeah. Is. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm very much like that. Okay. Not that I have to control people, but I like controlling your life. You like the circumstances around you. Yeah. And if it, and if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go, I think that I can overcompensate by in course correct or something. Um, or, yeah, or I did something wrong and I start to feel guilty about it. And it, sometimes things just change. Yeah. You know? What's another? So there's general fear of having your needs met, right? That would be right. an anxiety thing. Mm-hmm. Mortgage bills. Again, that's never really been mine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that is one that many, many people face. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's from a fear of failure mm-hmm. um, and a failure to the standards that we as men have set, mm-hmm. you know, humans, yeah. you know, yeah. mankind yeah. Um, have set for ourselves. Um, so when you, when you kind of take a step back and kind of look at that and you kind of realize how arrogant it almost is um, that your anxiety is mm-hmm. for things that you're setting a standard for yourself to obtain. Yeah. You know, nothing that God planned for you or anything like that. It's you're it's in, you're in your own, own head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And I do think too, there, there are good, there's good anxiety. So I know that's like, I don't know if there's a better word than anxiety for it. Maybe it's fear. I don't know. But mm-hmm. if if I'm gonna like a reverence for something, uh, yeah. Well, it's just to say, for example, like they say, Adam, you're gonna preach next Sunday. I'm gonna be so anxious until Sunday, but that anxiety is gonna drive me to study yeah, far yeah, into yeah. the night mm-hmm. and be overly mm-hmm. prepared for that Sunday. Yeah. But that's I don't know if the word anxiety is the right word. I think fear is right. Like a healthy okay. fear of things is good to have. Like mishandling the word in front yeah. of people, or mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, that, but that anxiety doesn't bother me because I know it's temporary and it drives me to be better. Because yeah. if I weren't anxious, that's why. And now, mm-hmm. you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's one of the main dangers with marijuana. Uh, I, Whoa, all right. I know, it took a turn. I think, because I'm not, I'm not one of those like alarmists you know, with this specifically, but I think for the people that I've known that have, have, have negative side effects of, of smoking uh, marijuana, it's because it takes away healthy stress and anxiety. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is observational. I, yeah. Um, like it's observational. It, it well, takes... I've seen it give people paranoia. Yeah, that's the only so, thing I can think. I thought it was just makes you like forget about your stress. Then the same way alcohol might. It's, no, so you're talking a about bit the of ne- both. If you're talking about the Honestly. negative effect, I mean, you can. Yeah. If you're having a, I don't, I don't want to say bad trip, but if you if if you're having a bad experience on marijuana, you know, with yeah. marijuana, then it's usually just paranoia. Okay. Where like you know like your your heart starts beating fast because yeah. mm. you you think. I mean, at least from my experience, it was because, like, oh my, did somebody lace this? Like, yeah. like you know, like, yeah. night heart, but did I just do, like, what was on this fentanyl? Or, you know, I don't know what's going mm-hmm. like, And it's like, then you start, then your mind starts going to crazy places. Then, you, then you're thinking about it, then you can hear your heartbeat, and then you can think about it. Mm. Then you're like, oh, I'll just go to sleep, it'll go away. But what, then you're like, you can't. What is a good experience? Oh, someone's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna, Isn't a yeah. good experience? Oh, good That's experience, what I'm talking. Is, good experience just, is when you don't get, when your stress goes away. Yeah, you just relax. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is dangerous. But I mean, at least my experience, the good stress would still be there. Okay. See, but I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm an enigma. I don't know. I don't either. I, I have no idea. I just always kind of saw that people who did often didn't do anything worthwhile because they didn't have any stress driving them. Like the few yeah. people that I know that really got wrapped up in a bad way. And I'm sure there's plenty more that were very successful. I did not know, or you know, but the few that I did know that went mm-hmm. the wrong direction smoked away their stress no to the point where they didn't even go to work because they didn't feel stressed. Oh, you're saying so much so to the point that they don't even care about. Meeting like, the meeting the yeah. doing what we have to do so that okay yeah uh yeah I, I've I've never experienced that I've never seen that experience like before like, right. the, like the, I've seen the stereotypical couch potato but I've never actually seen okay. that in real life I've yeah. seen that on like the commercials no, so I made it up that's fine maybe, maybe it's no I mean maybe, maybe it's that, for, like, I mean I people. guess if it's stereotypical like it, they're all there for a it reason comes from somewhere. somewhere yeah they, they yeah. didn't make just yeah. but I think it's exaggerated it's because it came from like their commercials to like not get you to do it and, and it like, could be like if you're already that kind of person. And that's not going to get up and do things, and you, that, you that's might one hundred percent what it is. Like, yeah, yeah. If you're a paranoid your person, you're probably going to have more paranoid experiences. Okay. If you're a relaxed person, I mean, college was my like. I used to do like four times a day, but like, I still double major. You know, I got good grades, and mm-hmm. I, I never felt the need. Like, I was still 
do overnighters and study and do everything yeah. at regular, you know, okay. go to the gym. Mm. So I, I think it depends on the person, but mm. I'm also not advocating for it. I'm just, <laughs> no, yes. I just want to, yeah, I'm definitely not. It's different yeah. for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what we're getting at. Yeah. So good, there are some versions of good trust. I, right, so for, for me, when um, it started was when my dad passed and it was like, um, couple of years of I feel like when I pause the readers are probably thinking I'm the listeners are probably thinking I'm crying but I'm not crying um, the yeah, it was a few years tears. of like waiting tears coming down waiting, the street a face made for radio um, of like wait so he got diagnosed and then we were like all right it went remission for a little bit got a surgery got better and then like we were always waiting for that phone call you know the one that would come and that one one would be the one telling us like the worst news and and that phone call came multiple times about mm-hmm. the, with the worst news so phone calls became negative you know, right. and to the point where I was so in tune with thinking the worst all the time about like general, cause it ended poorly. He's no longer with us. So like there, when I assumed the worst, the worst came and then it happened, you mm-hmm. know, and it was like a successful way to make my standards, you know, where they right. should be. Reinforcing. Reinforcing. Yeah, it was yeah. at the end of it, I was just like, all right, so I, I probably won't live very long. You know, like I had this in my head where. Uh, I, you know, I, at the same time started having like throat problems and that's where the, his cancer developed. And so like, it was like, uh, and um, it had very little to do with what he had, but it was just like, every time I went to the doctor, it was like, all right, I'm getting the news. I'm going to die soon. You know? And mm-hmm. that's the anxiety that I was dealing with. And it wasn't, I wasn't even considering like, I don't know, thinking selfishly, this is going to be so hard. It was always just like, I have a wife and now I have a kid. And, and that, that anxiety was just like crippling. Um, mm. And then I've worked out of that. That makes, it just takes some time. Like sometimes it just takes time to work through it. And there's no way to snap your fingers. Like I knew God was in control. I knew not everything's bad. And mm. I knew I was probably going to live to see 30, um, probably. But then that view of everything kind of crept in. It was like, even just like something small, and this is going to sound dark, but this the other day I had this this same thought. Like I, I was throwing the ball for my dog, and I had this like terrible I thought of like him because he runs really fast, and then he like puts his face into the ball before his body slows down, so he flips over the ball every single time. Right, he looks like an idiot, and he flips across the lawn these big ruts. And I'm thinking like I, right after I threw it, I had this like thought: is like, dude, he's definitely going to snap his neck, and I'm going to have to carry him to the hospital, and he's not going to be able to move. He's going to be crying. And like I literally am sitting there paralyzed. Like I couldn't move. And I'm just thinking of like me carrying my dog who's like basically dead. And then uh, I'm like, Allison, like what's wrong? I was like, I can't breathe. Like I'm just thinking about my you know future paralyzed dog. And I think that that all started with like thinking the worst is going to happen. Prepare yourself for it. You right. know. Yeah. And so yes. I just got to break myself from that pattern. And it takes time. And, and mm-hmm. it's been three years now and I'm still breaking myself from it. But I, you know, I have a very forgiving wife and, yeah. and a loving family. It just takes a little bit of time. It's a thought pattern. And once you... You, you can't be complacent in it, though, which is what I was for a little bit, just being mm-hmm. a, inside a pessimist. But the out, mm-hmm. you have to commit to prayer that God will break that thought pattern. And and when it, you know, submit all things to Christ, laying all things at his feet means in that moment being like, God, this is yours. And just quickly stand up a prayer like, you're in control. And, and, and I think that's the kind of effort-based way to work through it. And it's worked for me in general, but I'm getting there. Yeah. No, you raise a great point. Um, Thanks, man. Talking about, yeah, you're welcome. Um, for once. <laughs> Just kidding. For once. <laughs> Is that back on the radio? That's a long time listening. Yeah, yeah, long time listening. Um, yeah, with that time comes wisdom. Um, I I can look back now and look at everything and go, I've made it through 100% of the days that I've lived so far. Mm, it's yeah. a good track record. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, with that time, you can also look at the circumstances that you're in. Um, like, I have a great life right now. Not to, you know, humble brag. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I look back on everything that ever made me anxious or, or depressed in my past and look at everything and say, well, sure, but they were only temporary. Um, I've gotten through it and mm-hmm. everything that's ever happened to me led to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and having that, I think it's just, we have that such short sightedness, um, which I think is just a detriment to us. We don't think about the long term nearly as much as we should. I agree. No, so that's why I, I, there's a question that people ask all the time. It's like an icebreaker thing or whatever, where it's like, what would you go back in your life and change? And I hate that question because Everything that I've done in my past has led me to where I am. I'm sure, yeah, there's mistakes yeah. I've made and things like I've been anxious about and wish I could like not be anxious about it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be the same person I am today. I wouldn't have learned the same lessons. I wouldn't be in strong in certain areas and growing in others if I didn't go through all those certain things. A hundred percent. And I think, I think that realization comes with time. Oh yeah. Um, when you look at it, you know, it's, it's hard when you're younger to, uh, to look at things and, you know, looking back at things with regret and thinking, you know, maybe I should have made this decision. Maybe I should have made that. Um, but at the end of the day, you are where you are. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was planned out for you. Mm-hmm. You didn't always realize it at the time. I remember a couple of weeks back, you guys were talking about how everyone tries to find the devil in all the negative events, mm-hmm. you know, but he's not omnipresent, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it may not be him. It could also be, you know, you're on the, side of the road with a flat tire, but that flat tire is saving you, you know, a half hour that yeah. you could have been in a fatal car wreck. Yeah. Mm. You know, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And everything that's happened to us in our lives has happened for a reason to get to where we are now. Amen. It was also just reminding me of, uh, there's a couple songs that, uh, worship songs that do this, uh, like faithful now and do it again, where it talks about looking back in the past of all the things God has been faithful through our lives and knowing and holding on to that hope that he'll continue to be faithful or um, what's the do it again. It talks about him doing the good Uh, things in your life. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. That song never once. Is that that what it's called? Never once did you leave us on our own. Never. Sing a little more. (laughs) Maybe I'll get it. If you keep going for maybe like the whole song, maybe I'll get it. All right, well, I feel like you guys are kind of sending, so I'm just going to move on. I don't know that one. I don't, yeah, I don't know that one. I, know sure I remember when we first opened our new building, the new church building. We, that was the first song we played. Oh, jeez. That was before my time, so I don't... Ten years ago. What, are you not born then? And, well, I wasn't coming <laughs> to the church before my time. It's not like Saved by the Bell we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that was BC, before Cole. Before, before Cole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, for me, that was a grief, and just breaking that mental pattern was a cause of it, and it, yeah. it kind of bleeds into other things. So we got... You know, grief, greed, the unknown, friends calling you in the middle of podcast. <laughs> How professional. How professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and shout out to Mike Britton for anybody listening. <laughs> um, so what are some other ones that cause you guys anxiety or like you might have heard of? Um, I mean, there's social anxieties. That's true. Okay. A lot yeah. of people have. Um, I don't know. Yeah, social. Fear of crowds and stuff like that. Fear of crowds. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, so it's generalized fear of things. Yeah, I I guess we covered the main ones then. I mean, yeah. yeah. My experience with that, um, if you always just push yourself to go out Mm. and have that Mm. fellowship, very rarely is it, 
you know, ever regrettable that you do, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, most of the time. Yeah, that's true. It's always good, you know, for your spirit, for your, mm-hmm. for your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, some ways that I know we can have worked for me or I know do work um, or, you know, some things I looked up before we might've started the podcast, always to handle uh, anxiety, especially as believers. Like the, I think we said the first one a few times, it's, Commit everything to prayer. Get into constant communication with God, so that when you mm. when you when you experience something um, that might make your chest tighten a little bit, just like get into that pattern. Your reflex is Jesus, and just mm-hmm. like pray. A hundred percent, lay it at His feet. Yeah, and it, mm-hmm. it and this isn't like a technique to deal with anxiety. This is a right living before God, yeah. right? And I don't want to make it seem like we're using Jesus to help us with anxiety or, or whoever's listening who deals with anxiety, um, but. I mean, you can. I mean, he's your father, and he wants to hear your your complaints. You know, if, if my daughter's suffering with something, she's. I want her to tell me. I don't, yeah. I don't want her to you know, bottle it up and then explode later. You know, and be ineffective for what she needs to do. Um, that's one thing. I, I I think you named the second one, which I was going to say, which is be around good people. Yeah, be around mm-hmm. believers that are going to be uplifting and stay away from gossipers. Um, like that, they often. Um, People who are dramatic and just have such lives full of uh, like drama, they often make me anxious because mm-hmm. I take home the problems as if they're mine and they're right. not. Right. Mm-hmm. That's I've, an interesting thing. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've never had that. I've never done that. Taking like, it home? Yeah. Taking – yeah. You know, when I, not, have, I mean taking it home in the sense of like their problem is my problem now. Now I got to yeah. worry about it. You know what I mean? That's my mm-hmm. biggest – Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. You don't like start thinking about everybody else's things that are going on? Just praying for them but not like – not like now I gotta solve it now. No, that's like the right way. You're doing it the right. Yeah, you have yeah. The yeah. Right that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's never been. Yeah, it's never been in a thing. Yeah, like if if somebody tells me that they're like going through something, mm-hmm. I go home that night and I'm like anxious about the whole night because I'm thinking like I the empathetic part of me puts myself in their shoes. And now I'm like I'm experiencing it. Like the bearing one another's burdens. Like I I have a hard time like removing myself and be like no I have my life my life I'm got my own problems and they got theirs and my job's to intercede for them in prayer. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes I take it on a little too much. Mm. So that's one for me specifically. Another one for me is uh, is if I have a like someone I care about that's upset with me, I cannot sleep at all. Like I'm so anxious I can't breathe like for days. So if I know that like Cole is really mm-hmm. upset with me. That's a good one though. It, it, I mean not that you're not sleeping, but that's a good – that means you're going to calm and, and work it out with your brother. You know? It is. Like, it just makes me right. annoying to them because sometimes they just want to like brood about it for a couple minutes and like mm-hmm. and think it through and, I, mm-hmm. and I'm and i just calling them. Yeah. Like we have another friend that's like that as well. Yeah, like, no, exactly. You know, yeah. if, if, if they're – if they think that they've done something wrong to you and it's – I don't know. I just I, – I value the relationships a lot. So when, when they're in jeopardy, right. I can't – I can't handle that <laughs> at all. Yeah, I'm still brooding right now. I really don't want to yeah, talk yeah. to you. Because, <laughs> no, yeah, I know who you're talking about our one friend. But even if you don't like answer his phone call, mm-hmm. he'll be like, "My bad, did I, did I, what did I do wrong? Like, can I, did I offend you?" And it's like, yeah. well, I had my hands full. I was like, you know, yeah, I was right. literally carrying something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Answer your phone. <laughs> I had boxes in my hand. Uh, I'm not that. I'm not that bad. But if if I do think that for some reason I upset you, yeah. and, and and I think we have that. Too. You're that way too. I remember. All right, this is a throwback, <laughs> but I remember at Bible study. About five years ago. Oh my gosh! Is this what you, the sin thing? Yeah. Wow. Go ahead. Okay. I can't can believe... I tell that story. Is that okay? Yeah, you can tell it. Okay. I still to this day did not mean what I said. It's okay. It's fine. It's we'll air it out now. Um, this is <laughs> encounter round one. Oh ding, man! Ding, ding, ding. I know. He's, this was, I felt so bad. No. So we were talking. About, we were talking about sins that characterize people. Right. And so everybody kind of has that one sin, the besetting sin that they 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 wrestle with, and. 
I was trying to, you know, assert humility. And I was like, listen, I don't, I, if you're with somebody long enough, you know your friend's besetting sin. And I was like, Joe could probably just say mine if he, if, if, if he were like up to it. And he just like said something real fast. And it was and like, I did, yeah. It wasn't even accurate to what I would have actually said <laughs> right, if, right, if right. I thought about his but besetting sin. But it was so, sin, it was so cutting. It was, I was like, I remember, oh, yeah, Adam, he's always got to be right. You know, <laughs> I still remember what I said. <laughs> and everybody, and he like kind of giggled. Like, he, I mean, yeah. and um, everybody was like, ooh. And made it so much worse that nobody thought it was funny or yeah. nobody. And so that night yeah, I went home. And everybody's thinking about it. <laughs> we had just bought a house, and I was um, living with Allison at his her grandpa's. And so he goes to bed at like eight thirty, and so I was in bed at like eight thirty. He texts me, "Bro, I'm so sorry. I didn't know." And yeah. I didn't. And the next morning there was like seven texts on my phone. Yeah. Um, but that one was different. That one, I feel like that one was justified. That one was, I blatantly called you out in front of a whole entire like. <laughs> that was different. I felt so bad. Um. But I wasn't really upset. I just was like, oh, yeah. that's a little weird. You know? But I also have that. I also have the the spirit, which is a not as good one. But it, you know, where it's just like, if, if I feel like I kind of offended somebody, but I was justified, I'm I'll, they'll get over it. Like grow up. Yeah, you know I mean, to a like, certain extent, like, I have that. Yeah. But if I feel like I had blame, mm-hmm. you know, guilt in it. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. that's one for me. But I think that's almost a healthy one, like you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I can mend it quicker. Yeah. Uh, one I wanted to bring up was anxiety to serve. Um, yeah. Because I feel often a lot. I mean, you've brought it up before. You know, our church continues to grow and get bigger. Mm-hmm. Yet it's always the same people serving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the factors to that is an anxiety to serve. You know, mm-hmm. almost feeling unqualified to serve, or like an imposter syndrome uh, mm-hmm. type thing. You know, if if there's ways to get around that or to help people through that. So do you, do you think that's like it would have to know like what you're anxious right. about like. Uh, it, it would, I guess it would depend on the ministry, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, I mean, probably just, you know, maybe they're they're new to the congregation. Um, they almost don't feel qualified or like they should be the ones serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I could see that in, in any ministry where it's going to require, like, I need you to pray for people. I need mm-hmm. you to maybe be out in the streets. Like, maybe you're not well-versed in apologetics, don't know how to, re- something right. like that. But, like, yeah. something like, we need somebody to hit the space bar for the media team. You know, it's like, <laughs> I feel like we... Yeah, well, and I also think that the church needs to do, not our church, but the church needs to do a better job at being transparent enough to where people don't think they have to fix everything before they serve God. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. You have to fix some things. You know, like More of a come public as you swearing. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like public nudity, you got to stop that yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, when you come in. But as in general, you know, if we were more authentic as a whole for being like, we're, doing, we're coming in broken as we are and we're doing our absolute best. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, you know, we have this refined portrait of who we think we should be. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that just from ministry leaders and people involved in ministry, showing them, like, how broken that we are. Like, and it's not – because I think people put people in ministry on, like, this high pedestal of, like, oh, yeah, you're serving or you've done this for a really really long time. You know what you're doing. When half of the time I'm like, "Mm, I actually have no clue what I'm doing. Yeah. And I I don't like using the phrase fake until you make it. But at the same time, you just keep doing it. And eventually you get good at it or you find your strengths in those ministries or you find where you're not good and yeah. you should maybe shouldn't do that. So it's just right. the idea of getting started. That's a, that's a great point, you know, thinking that everyone who is serving that you're looking up to, you know, is perfect. I can remember in the church that I grew up in, um, our pastor, maybe like a year after I made my confirmation and, you know, was brought in to the church congregation, um, he came out and had to step down from being a pastor because of personal things going on with him and his wife. Mm. And I just remember, you know, yeah. it was the old school traditional right, right, right. Presbyterian, so the gossip mm. train comes out, 
um, and just people badgering this poor guy. And, you know, me being young, it's a, it's a pastor. I'm looking up to him. Mm -hmm. He's a role model as, you know, who I should be in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and now looking back on it, um, I'm almost, I mean, I'm not glad that, you know, he went through this and I got to witness it, but you know, it's, it's stuck with me that I can look up to somebody like that and see that they're still not perfect. They still have Mm -hmm. their struggles and it makes it more real to me. Uh, it almost makes it feel more attainable for yeah. yourself. And let's say the, the alternative. Now, I'm just going to assume because we haven't named the pastor. This is to say he was having trouble, like they were having like marital issues or something. Like right. I just make up the problem. Something like that. Yeah. And what if he just like hid that, kept doing his thing, and then he slept with somebody else, you know, because he wasn't fixing the problem. And then he got attracted to somebody else. And like over time, the marriage fell apart. His ministry is gone. Instead of taking a pause, being like, we need to work this out with my wife because my first ministry is my family. You yeah. know, and then taking care of that and then getting back to ministry. Obviously, we would prefer that he would have never had any struggle, but mm-hmm. 100%. I'd prefer that yeah. for myself too. And it's not going to happen. Right. So, for, you know, a, I prefer that so much more. I agree. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And, and that's the two different ways to look at it. You can look at it, somebody can look at it and be like, oh, that guy's more real, it's more authentic, and it can help your faith, mm-hmm. um, that their flaws are more exposed. Or mm-hmm. somebody can look at it and be like, oh, this. This faith is all hypocrites, and, and you know, go the other way. Like people might look at Ravi or who, you know, I don't know. Like, right? But you can look at it two different ways. You know, Absolutely. it's like. But again, like if Ravi were in the same position, he when he started messing up, go oh, yeah, down, yeah, yeah like yeah. you know, what I mean, that's a little. Mm-hmm. I agree, it's, you could look at it as hypocritical, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I have a hard time thinking that people would have that critical spirit if the pastor just doesn't even have to name the sin. Just I need to step down, I need to get right yeah. with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would respect that. Yeah, to have that humility to. Not try to just keep pushing a facade, mm. you know, because people look up to you, you know, just showing that, you know, I'm not perfect. Mm. You know, there's only one mm. man who was perfect and it's not me. Yeah. On a lesser note, uh, speaking of that, well, since you're here, like yeah. when I first, when I first started learning how to play drums, I hated when Craig showed up. Oh boy. No, I did. I was like, oh God, now he's going to like, you know what I mean? So for and, those listening, Craig is a very, very good drummer. Yeah. He's not going to say it, but but we'll say it for him. It, yeah. it, yeah. it comes with when you start playing at three years old mm-hmm. and you're now 32. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of comes with the territory. 29. Jeez, um, 29 years? Yeah. Wow. Really? Three? Or are you exaggerating? It was when I learned my first, uh, you know, four on the floor, yeah. two and four beat. Wow. And my brother taught me. Jeez. Um, okay. Private lessons, I started at six, but... Okay. I call three. I started playing drums, waking my family up at six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> practicing for my preschool band. <laughs> my preschool band. Yeah. In the womb, yeah. your dad was like hitting your mom's belly with drumsticks yeah. to get her rhythm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's kind of that, that like, um, you put that person up on, you know, you put yeah. that, it's like, oh, I'll never be able to, like, because mm. then, then you start thinking, like, people are going to hate when I'm playing. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, but when's Craig coming back? You know, like, yeah, you, you start thinking these, like, mm-hmm. but which is so, or go ahead. No, go ahead. Which is so funny because I never had those thoughts. Um, if anything, seeing, you know, the strides that you were making mm-hmm. and how good you got in such a quick amount of time, it was so encouraging. I know, you know but I was just, like that. thank you. And, I appreciate I, that. But, but my I thing exactly. was like, I'm, my, my thing and I was like, I'll just never catch that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's intimidating. Yeah, yeah, it, is, yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know what the funny thing is? I still have those feelings when I'm playing and Joe's in the back. No way. Yep. A hundred percent. Cause you arguably know the songs better than I do. Maybe, okay. maybe I don't know if there's drums, anybody but... who knows them more than Joe. Yeah, but yeah, Joe, 100%. Well, maybe, maybe cool. 
But um, and I'm just thinking, oh, I gotta hit this fill perfectly. No, no, I'm, not, I'm, not like, I'm like sitting there mesmerized. Sometimes, I'm not even joking. Sometimes I have to like not. I have to like not sit where where I can see your feet because mm-hmm. like yeah. your foot is is nuts. Now we just sound weird to anybody who doesn't know. What, <laughs> <laughs> so what else do you love about Craig's feet? <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I'll sometimes like stop playing because I'm just listening to him playing trumpet. Yeah. I'm like I I get lost. Thank you. In all honesty, that um, a lot to me. But no, just, I'm worshiping Jesus. Just know so that oh, yeah. as much <laughs> as you have felt that, yeah, I still feel it. You know, mm, that's great. After yeah. all this time, yeah. and, and uh, probably less tangible ministries than drumming that mm-hmm. happens on a bunch of different levels. Right. So, yeah. Right. 100%. I look at a pastor Ben Speakman. I've I've heard uh, people say that are his age. Like I don't get it. Like he just stands up and speaks without notes mm-hmm. yeah. for forty minutes. And I've had the same thoughts about most preachers that speak, but specifically, like I don't I don't know how me being who I am could ever get to the point where he could just stand mm-hmm. up and do what that what he does. And it's almost like. How does anybody get to be a pastor? Yeah. I don't. Right, yeah, yeah, I don't understand that. Even people that like I, you see when you see Brian does, he prepares and he's got his things. And he, but like Pastor Vince, I just don't know how he can make such a coherent from yeah. beginning to end, like one huge big coherent thought. I can't even with no pressure before you guys here. I can't even like sometimes I can't even complete my sentences. I'm like, what did I just say? You know, like I don't know how he does it when everybody's looking at him. It's but crazy. in my yep. mind, when I think of him standing up to preach for the first time at like 27, that's how he did it. Mm-hmm. But we all know that's not how it was probably mm-hmm. terrible the first time he preached. You know, like I mean, like, I, right. I would like to which, see though. Yeah, I don't me know. too. Honestly, I mean, which is, he always tells that story about the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went too long, pastor. right? Yeah, yeah. talked yeah. through Daniel or something. Yeah, like. something like that. And it's just wild to think about that now that you know. No, I think it was Genesis. Sorry. Yeah. But to think about that now, of what we see, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. every week, it's unreal. Yeah. But that's a thought that's been kicking around in my head. When you brought up you starting drums, that's what I was thinking, that we always see people in their, and I, I don't want to say end state, but where they are now and not seeing where they came from. And it's kind of hard with starting in, in a new ministry or wanting to get started. Like, you don't see somebody's beginning stages. You don't see when somebody was however old you were playing guitar or starting the drums or like getting involved and learning and being um, involved in that ministry and growing and failing and then becoming where you are. It's hard to see yeah. those. Well, so while you're on that, though, this is, this is what I – because, like, Brian always tries to get me, like, to public speak. And this is why – this is my, my logic with him. It's like – So Brian was one of our guests, just so you know. Brian Lafreda. Go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, na- on Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So when he would ask me to speak and I would say I don't want to I mean I would do it I'd be willing to do it for the church but I really don't want to if any, anybody else could do it well, I know, you know? You've, you've talked your way out of it so many times <laughs> so many times dude. but um, but sometimes he just gets me to do it I'm like fine but I, wh- it, it's so different like when when Vince you know and real were like you know you should, you should practice drums and like there was a practice and like I would I would go to my grandmother's in the woods and practice for like hours because I just once I was able to do it I, I fell in love with it mm-hmm. and, but I didn't immediately start playing like two weeks went by, like or, or three weeks went by, where I was like, "Oh, I can, I can at bare minimum not mess the songs up," but that's not what it is with public speaking. Like, who'll just ask me, "Yeah, next Wednesday, you want to speak?" Obviously, not the whole thing. He will do like ten minutes. You know what I mean? But I'll be like, "Not really. I don't. What am I going to practice in front of nobody?" You know? And then just like, yeah. maybe I got it right. And then, and then when I get up there, it's like that's not the same. Hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, you are. I just you yeah. can practice to nobody. Yeah. I do it. That's how I do it. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that's but but my my only the, the thing is though when you practice to nobody you don't know what you sound like. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if I'm listening to music and I'm playing the drums, I when I mess I know when I mess up because it yeah. doesn't sound like the. What are, what about like recording? Yourself? I was just thinking. That I mean, ages. public speaking is is a difficult one because that that brings so much fear and so many variables. Right. So Everyone's there. It's, it's the Everyone. highest fear above death. Yeah, hundred yeah. mm-hmm. percent. I think it's death's. I think it's speaking spiders and death. 
Or spiders the second. Spiders, I think, is three. Is it three? Yeah. yeah. I overcame that one. <laughs> death I'm or no spiders? longer anxious. Death. Death. <laughs> death, you know, death was arrested. But. Yeah. Death was <laughs> Same. I got over that fear on a plane that got hit by lightning. Yeah. Really? Yep. Mm. I was like, oh, I could die right now. And uh, I'm good. Nothing I can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's too, like, with this whole Russia, Ukraine thing. And, and that's another point I want to bring up about, like, watching the news too much for anxiety mm-hmm. as a source. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was like, what if we go to war? Like, aren't you nervous you're going to get drafted? And I was like, they're going to push a button, man, and I'm going to be dead instantly. Yep. And and there was, they showed this map of the U.S. Mm-hmm. of if where the certain size nuke hit, and then they went all the major cities that would be hit first. And there was like 300 square miles, and it was like the Midwest where the nuclear fallout won't reach right. from the main cities that would be hit. Right away. And you have to be in a bunker underground, mm-hmm. and you have to stay there for like a decade. And it's like, all right, so I'm not going to live if I get new. So, like, why am I stressed about this? Yeah. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. That, but, that's the kind of stress that doesn't bother me. I can think. But make I sure you 100%. Think, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you have your guns, though, to fight the tyranny of the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot I can't at the, fight shoot their at government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but no, it's another one. News, um, like mm-hmm. social media, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you have oh. teenage girls, like, comparing to other. Yeah. Social media is one of the biggest causes of anxiety. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I don't think it was the main source of mine, but I recently, in the past few months, stopped. I deleted all the social media mm-hmm. off my phone, and I talked about this last week. But I don't. I feel much less anxious and a lot less cluttered. And I guess like, what, much more what would that be ultimately? That would just be like social approval. Yeah, I think so. Like that's what it would. Yeah, you're constantly comparing yourself to people and like wanting their approval and then needing recognition. To, yeah, and, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that. I mean, my social media, honestly, if I opened Instagram or Facebook, if I even knew how to open that app anymore, it was always like the first 30 things that popped up were like entertainment or funny things. It was never other people I saw. Like I had to scroll so far down my feed to get to past the guitar licks and the news and that stuff still gave me anxiety because my mind was just like occupied all the time. Like if every spare moment, instead of sitting in silence and just thinking for a couple seconds mm-hmm. and even meditating or praying, you yeah. Know, you are constantly entertained and like your mind can operate at a high level a hundred percent of the time. Like just, <laughs> just sound crass, but like sitting in the bathroom and not going on your phone mm-hmm. is crazy. Like, you know how last time we, like we didn't have, had that option was like a decade ago or more. True. But there's always been some sort of like reading media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it was a book or newspaper. I, I never looked at newspapers shampoo or magazines bottle. though. Yeah. yeah shampoo bottles. So read ingredient labels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I just just like that simple silence throughout the day calms me a lot. Yeah, and I think that's where prayer and meditation comes so important because not only, yeah. you know, is it your one-on-one time mm-hmm. speaking to God, it's it also you know brings your breathing steady. Mm. You know, it has those those physical attributes to it too. Mm. Um, They're so beneficial for your just resetting your mind, yeah, and your brain. Yeah, even just reading and yeah. reading anything is calming because you focus on one thing right? and everything else has to fade out. Like I noticed in the past few years when I read, my mind wanders so much easier than it used to where my, like I'll be halfway through a page and I realize I haven't read a word. Like my mind's been somewhere else and mm-hmm. then I have to reread the page. Isn't that it crazy that you can do that? You can read, but not even. Yeah. Yep. And I can't. You can I re- fully read it out loud, but not even comprehend. Comprehend one thing. Yeah. And as an English teacher, that's like my job is to comprehend. Yeah. You know, so I, I've, I've since I've been trimming these things out, though it's coming back. It, it's a, you know, it's trainable. But yeah, so I think news is a big one. Cutting out. I used to listen to certain news podcasts every single day. Uh, during the first time Trump was running for office, 
I was like, all right, this is kind of interesting. I never really cared about politics before. So I, I started following a couple different podcasts and it was like an hour and a half a day. I probably listened to it while working out or driving. And I didn't stop for like four years. And that made me so anxious, like angry too about people, dumb people's opinions, you know, these issues that would come up and, you know, people would just think ridiculous things. Like I was just frustrated that there's like idiots yeah. out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mine would never be anxiety from the news, but it'd be anger. Frustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Like how can this many people with this little amount of brain cells exist? Yeah. Cause if I sit and, here and fully be allowed to vote and like, or whatever, or whatever, like no, I, raise yeah. kids, whatever it is, yeah. like, you know what I mean? I, I agree. Cause I don't know that they exist just being me. And if I just serve, serve Jesus and, and, and serve my local community, right. I don't know that they exist and I, I can handle a small group. But if I know there's 150 million of these crazy people out there, right. I stop saying crazy. Uh, then I, I'll be, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I, how's the world going to continue? I got a two-year-old growing up with these crazy people around. Yeah. It's a scary thought. Yeah. So I, that helped. Anxiety. Cutting it out. Cutting out. Now, I do, I do think it's worth being informed, so I don't want to cut out being mm-hmm. informed altogether. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then, then you could have that anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No idea what's going the on. The yeah. Imagine, like, not knowing what COVID is like, now. <laughs> yeah. Why is everybody wearing masks? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the ministry one, John Piper has a like a six-minute sermonette thing that I, I listened to years ago, and it was the biggest plague he believes in the modern church, and this is, he's saying in like 2006 or something, but the biggest plague is that men feel unqualified to serve. Mm-hmm. And he was specifically referring to how men struggle with lust uh, by looking at pornography or, um, you know, as a teenager, making bad decisions with uh, lust. And he was saying because men want to like hide those sins, they don't feel like they can serve. Mm-hmm. And because they're like a real man of God has to have those things under control before they do. And it's a tough, tough like. And I agree with him. I think that's probably one of the main reasons why a lot of men don't serve. They mm-hmm. specifically know a few that are working on it. Um, but I also do think you do kind of have to have that stuff under control before you serve. Like I don't know, it's a weird thing. Like not hundred percent, but like you have to fight the struggle, man. Yeah. You have to struggle. You can't. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. You got to struggle with the, whatever the battle is. Struggle forever and take yeah. the proper steps to get help. Like you're not going to have somebody come in drunk. Yes. But if you're dealing with somebody that's battling alcohol problems and they're seeking the right help and everything, it's like okay, then you can like yeah, we'll they, work with you. And they want to work in the sound booth and yeah, yeah, click yeah. buttons. You know, like I, I wouldn't say like we're not going to have you raise the kids. Yeah. But. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Smell like Listerine. Yeah. <laughs> that was a shout out to <laughs> our sponsor for this evening. <laughs> Better help. Um, but I do think that's a, a helpful analysis of the problem, though, is that there's probably a lot more people that want to serve. Like you say, mm-hmm. Craig was saying about yeah. Joe, saying that there's a decent amount of episodes we've mentioned that there's a few people doing most of the work. It's like a 90 yeah. 10 ratio, mm-hmm. if not less. You know, And I wonder if some of it's just because how we're creating those roles. Yeah, and it's hard to take that first step. It's the hardest step to take um, that I think a lot of people struggle with. I think churches need to make need to make all of them known. Usually, churches don't make them all known. The, like the ministries, the, the ministries. Oh, yeah, the ministries. I was, I was okay. kind of following you, but yeah. yeah, they don't make them like all known until one's really needed. And they're like, oh, by the way, we need this. But it's like if they're just all out there known and like mm-hmm. almost like a uh, what was that thing that would come in the high school like the impl- different different uh, career Job, career like, field like, like career a club fair or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Things you can like join Job and fair, like. Yeah. Job um, fair. Yeah. Because you, you want to find what's right with you and what your best, you know, your gifts, talents, and abilities are suited for. Yeah. I, 
And I think that also helps. And I think we do a fairly good job at our church, like knowing the people and then reaching out to them. Like, hey, I feel like you would be good mm. in yeah, this ministry. Yeah, that's very different than from the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just, or hoping that they're just going to come. Like, oh, they're good at, they're, or yeah. I'll just use my, they're good at media. They'll know that they know that I run it. They'll, they'll come. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, hey, I know that you're, you're good at this. Would you want to come out? And like making it a very non threatening, if that's the right word for it, non threatening environment. Welcoming. Just very welcoming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you go for a very literal biblical interpretation of the way Jesus called the disciples, like go through the. Oh, you know, if you watch the everybody, and, everybody. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm saying everybody, oh, but I'm for, thinking, oh, like, you if you just think, the, like, he called the taxpayer, he called, you know, yeah. Matthew, who's, who's definitely by our standards, we wouldn't think, like, right, he's ready to serve, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and the way that Chosen depicts it, he's like, really, me? Like, he, yeah, he yeah. couldn't even believe it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the few times in that show I, I got, I teared up was when yeah. mm-hmm. he actually called Matthew and. Every, and the cool, funny part too is like the other disciples are looking like really this guy yeah. you know and I want you that's part of the fear is you're thinking other people are gonna think really that guy when you're mm-hmm. when you're being called but like as believers we are all called to yeah. serve we are yeah. all qualified by Christ we are all yeah. qualified amen and and that's that's something I don't know it's hard it's hard to wrestle through but it's it's he equips the call that's right he doesn't call the equip but I think that that scene that you're talking about um when he calls Matthew. Peter's like, really, this one? And he's like, that's what they said about you, too. You know, yeah. it's like. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, if you lose that sense of humility, you might have that attitude. Right. You know, like, if you have a, like, I love the the thing we mentioned when we did the episode on Spurgeon, but the, the more, at, more, the more you get to know God, the less you think of yourself. And it's like, it's a paradox like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the more you get to know God, the more right view you have of yourself. And it's mm-hmm. smaller and smaller and smaller. And if you're considering how God brought you out of where he brought you from and, and you're looking at, you know, other people, you, you just can't have that attitude. You know? So with our, the causes, we got some cures, but we got get rid of social media. What's another thing? Pray, okay. consult good fellowship. Uh, I would say like definitely confide in a person or two, like, that talk about it that you're close with like air it out and let those people not solve your problems right away yeah you know like we talked the Chris Schrager thing like tell them like I just need to talk to you for a second just listen mm-hmm. and then we'll figure out after that do you guys have any other tips for people who might be wrestling through something um if you're with I mean, somebody I, th- I think you're that person should be the person you're talking to the most like a spouse or something I know for me it's like if you're wrestling with something, I, you're the man. You're not supposed to need to rely on them, but they're the, that's why God gave you that person to help you through that issue, right? So and talk I, to them. I think it's very difficult for men um, to do that, um, but I, I agree. I think it is very important, mm. um, and it's something that I have struggled with in my marriage because I like to bottle everything up. Mm-hmm. You know, my my worries are my my burden. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you look at it. But really, it's, you know, you're in a union. They're, they're yours. You should share them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that I've been working on in my own life. Um, but I agree. I think it's very important. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. You're a union. You're one. You got it. I mean, yeah, it is. There is a certain, there's a biblical the analogy of how we're, we're supposed to cover the bride and and we're supposed to shield them from things. But at the same time, I don't think you need to shield them from our weaknesses because they know what they are. Mm. You know, like it, just yeah. because, just because I'm not telling her doesn't mean that I'm, she doesn't know. Right. Yeah. It just means that I'm getting over it quicker, you know? 
Yeah, so yeah. for um, the part of your testimony that was pretty cool about the professor kind of calling out the apologetics thing, yeah. whatever came with that? Did you get to have any good conversations with the people that were around you, or did it cause you to be like, all right, I want to get more into this? Or It did. It did okay. cause me to want to get more into it and to have those answers um, because, I mean, these are people who were studying astronomy. Um, I think that's the one, not astrology. I think that's the – the stars one the, yeah whatever the like physics of stars space is astronomy. yeah space yeah. astrology is um, like cosmology and stuff. yeah maybe okay i don't know cosmetology astronomy that's makeup okay. <laughs> it's the one that's not talking about like your signs and your like signs, your, yeah. okay, yeah, your yeah. sun rising and all that <laughs> uh, it's the one that actually studies like black holes and physics and everything like that like people asking you like questions that are very scientific based that when you're growing up in a traditional church uh, you don't really get prepared mm-hmm. for those answers. It's all it's it's all on your faith and your beliefs. And when you're talking to somebody who's you know coming from an academic mindset, your faith and your beliefs aren't going to prove anything to them. Um, and that's kind of what I had to lean on mm-hmm. um, at that point. Um, and it was it was discouraging that I didn't have those answers, but it also, from my own viewpoint. Well, I wanted to find them. You yeah. know, I want to yeah. – these questions that I can't answer for him now, you know, it's a lost opportunity for me to to answer these questions now, but I should be better prepared for it in the future mm-hmm. should this come up again. Yeah, I, I had a moment like that too in, in college where I thought that I was like equipped to have these conversations and I realized that I was not. I, I was sitting at dinner table at, at TCNJ and there's these couple guys who are you know, good friends. We live together and they're just like, so you, you're like a Christian. I said, yeah. They're like, do you believe that the world's like 6,000 years old? And I just said, yeah, because I thought that everybody did. Like I thought that most – because I know mm-hmm. one kid was Catholic and the other kid said he was Christian. And they just started smirking and it like ticked me off. You know, So I was like, what do you guys think? And they told me. Mm-hmm. And they were like, so like how, what do you think about the flood and like Ice Age? And I was like, oh, it's 6,000 years old. They're like, how did – that, like, did it rain in the Bible? Like, all these questions. And I was like, yeah, dude, there was, like, a water atmosphere around. I was quoting, like, Ken Ham parts, but, like, <laughs> things that I saw in a documentary when I was a kid. But, like, they, none of them were, like, connecting. I was like, bro, 6,000 <laughs> 6, years ago, there was obviously, like, a bowl of water around the world. And the, when the flood happened, God just moved the, vape, the vapor barrier and all the water just fell in. And that's why the dinosaurs went up the mountains. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, so you're in a cult. Blanket right? statements, yeah. yeah. And um, I walked away thinking, like, I, I, I handled that okay. You know, and then I started Googling. I was like, no, I did not. Nope. I did misrepresented terribly. So then I started going through and trying to figure out why I believed in, you know, literal creation and, and going through it and also picking my battles because that yeah. would have been a good time to talk about Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead, I'm talking about the vapor barrier that <laughs> may or may not have existed. So anyway, yeah. yeah so. What, what, with the apologetics one, one big thing is um, steering, like, like kind of like you said, steering it back to Jesus, but steering it back to like the resurrection, mm-hmm. because the, and this is a dangerous slope, because obviously there's go, there's always going to be smarter people than you on the other side. You know what I mean? Then you're not just you're not going to outsmart every other person on the other side. There's, but if you're like me and always right, but <laughs> but right, but you know, but you know what I'm saying? There's always going to be people that know, like if I talk to right now a professor in like astrology yeah they're gonna i'm not gonna be able to talk to them about like Mm. but i could to a regular person but that's why there's professor type level apologetics for christian Mm. you know that could that could battle them so i think the best thing is to always return back to the resurrection and like the minimal facts and like this is what 
all history and science know to be true. Like, that this happened, and these men were here to witness it, and these men were persecuted for that. And, you know, and, like, how do you explain that? Like, flip it back on them. Yeah, yeah, flip it back on them, because there's, there's, there's the the smartest Christians and the smartest atheists still disagree on the beginning, and they can battle each other. Like, so who who do I think we are, like, going back and forth about Mm. creation? or, Or, like, you know, we don't obviously aren't equipped enough for that. So let's go back to regular things that everyone accepts. Like, Jesus was a real person. Mm-hmm. He had 12 followers. They all claimed to have seen him resurrect and then died for it. Like, mm-hmm. all history and science accepts that. And then go from there. Like, why would they do that? Why would, you know, and, and then flip it to what we can know, as mm-hmm. opposed to, like, I'm only going to know so much about black holes. Like, yeah. And they're only going to know what they think they know. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the smarter Christian apologists could kill them, you know? So it's like... Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So like I don't I don't need to have that conversation with the vapor right. diary or like mm-hmm. redirect yeah. it. Because yeah. I don't I don't really know. I right. I'm not gonna base my religion off that fact. A, right. A slippery slope that Frank Turk uses a lot. Um, if people are just like insistent and they don't and they're they're refusing to go past a certain point, he's like, All right, let me let me give you that. Let, let me even give you that the Bible is not inerrant. Mm. You know, he'll say like well, you know, go point back to the resurrection, or like, like we always say, like if Christianity is true, would you believe it? Or he'll say, like, uh, yeah, does the the Bible doesn't have to be inerrant to know that Jesus Christ was resurrected? Other outside text sources prove that. So, what do we say about that? You know, he'll say like, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I don't believe the Bible's the written word of God. Let's just say it's not. History has attested to the fact that he's resurrected. So, what do you? What do you say about that? Or, that then, you know what I mean? And like, then yeah. that validifies the scripture. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. we'll flip it back because if they get stuck on one thing, like, mm. I don't believe in 6,000 years. All right, I'll give you that. It was mm. a million. Let's say it was a million. Does that change what happened 2,000 mm. years ago? You know? I mean, so. But that's a slippery slope because then you don't want to be like, yeah, the Bible is in there. Yeah. Or, or it's not, you know? Yeah. Well, that's when I, you know, that's when I got frustrated. I was like, "Bro, you think you evolved from frogs? Like, <laughs> yeah. clearly you haven't. Like, have you seen yourself? Like, that's, that's where yeah. that's what evolved doing. It was yeah. not effective. Um, but I'm, I'm curious because was the, the reason I asked if the guy was like trying to point yeah. to it. As if is he like the guy from God's Not Dead? You know, trying to show that God's not real. The professor that you had, or was he just trying to get conversations? No, started? the professor. I I don't even know how that came up. Hmm. Um, that was in I Australia, it, right? Yeah. So Ken, that, Ken Ham's from Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's just also the viewpoint that academia takes yeah. today, unfortunately. Like most universities, um, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They almost take it as a given that, you know, evolution is their, their Bible. And what's written in the Bible isn't the word of God. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist. None of that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, that... Anyone in academia that actually thinks so, they look at it as, you know, well, yeah. you're stupid. You're uneducated, obviously. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the, the high ground that he was trying to take from it. Oh, was yeah. like, oh, we're in academia. None of us actually believe in, in <laughs> yeah. creationism, that's do so we? Annoying. Raise your hand if you do. And then here I am. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, as soon as my hand went up, yeah. I was like, I'll see myself out. It's going to be a fun night. Great. Yeah, well, I mean, nope. if you come to the conversation, you're coming to the table with two different presuppositions, and just nothing's yeah. going to line up after that. Mm-hmm. They presuppose God's not real, yep. Bible's errant. But also, the irony of the whole thing is that you'll see most social justice movements happening on college campuses. So it's like, generally speaking, y'all claim to be atheists, 
yeah, you're telling people how we ought to live and how we ought not mm. to live. Like, where you? I thought we're all atheists. Right. If I'm stronger than you, I'll kill you right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's your book, right? You know, it's mm. like. So it's like the irony of the whole thing. It's like the, their whole viewpoint doesn't line up with what how they practice, how they act. I agree, and I think I, I had one professor that stands out to me in my mind because I had a generally a good experience in college. Like I never had that God's not dead professor. It's like God's not real or whatever. Mm. Um, and try to convince you and graded you worse, you know. But I did have one professor for multicultural lit, and his I say I'll shout him out. The pro, uh, professor Bearer is his name. He's definitely not alive. He was in his, he was legitimately in his nineties, and this was like twelve years ago. And he was so one hundred and two now. He yes. he believed in complete moral subjectivism, where there are no morals, full no morals, mm. murders like mm. he, like he how do you hire somebody like that? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he might have been hired when he had morals and then <laughs> aged 70 years. I don't know. I was say. But he, like, during his, when he was teaching, one of the kids, like, raised their hands and he was, wasn't a believer. He just, like, so, like, do you think incest is fine? Do you think, you know, all these questions? He's like, yeah. Like, I, I think that's fine. I actually and, have a lot of like, I respected more, yeah. that more than somebody yeah. who went the other way mm-hmm. and was, like, fighting for morals, yeah. like you're saying, the social justice stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was one heck of a class to sit through, man. <laughs> it was, you know. Yeah. How do you get to your 90s when you have that viewpoint? I don't Seriously. know. And not be in jail. Yeah. If that's or generally your, your viewpoint. But yeah. it's it's not, though. No. Like, it's, it's just people suppressing. Yeah. Romans tells us that. Like, it's just everyone is just suppressing with everything to be true. I or, think people enjoy being devil's advocate, too. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Like, especially in college, you want, they want you to like be free thinkers and like right. open up your mind. So they want you to consider things like he might be like teach Sunday school. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Probably not, but yeah, <laughs> you know, they, I would you know, hope not. Yeah. But, but a lot of times they just take that. Like I had a teacher in high school that used to have seances for Edgar Allan Poe to like, they'd like light a candle and like they'd, oh. they'd pose in this front seat and they'd save a seat for him. And it was just like, wait, I, wait, wait, you said when? What? In high in my, school? Yeah. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And then when I became a teacher, it was like, no, it's just to get the kids piqued, interested in about like to make it feel like the author's alive and in the room and 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 you know. And I was like, okay, so she wasn't crazy. She it was a little extra. But yeah, like, I, I mean, I think it, I think it got lesser throughout the years because my sister has some crazy stories. About yeah, my that. brother too, and that yeah. was around her her yeah. age. Uh, Same year. Um, but for me, I, it was just like there was a, a room, in, there was a seat in the front of the room, and she'd light like a salmonella can or whatever they're called. And <laughs> what's it called? Incense. <laughs> is what I'm trying to think of. What's salmonella? Is it salmonella like citronella? a disease? Citronella. Yeah, citronella. <laughs> was she trying to keep mosquitoes out? Citronella. <laughs> yep. We'll call, we'll call Edgar Allan Poe, but Oscar Wilde shows up. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's the wrong guy. Oh, oh wrong, wrong candle. Oh, want you. Oh. Uh, should I even get to I don't even know. Yeah, probably not. Should, but Yeah, it's fine. By the time I got to her, it was just keeping him in the front seat. And it was weird. It freaked us out. But we paid attention for that unit for yeah. sure. Poe was in the room. I bet. But it's weird that, but that universities adopt this like one-way thinking mm-hmm. because the whole point of a university is like unity and diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like unity through diversity. That's where the name comes. So it's like the, how it got to this is, is like annoying and crazy. Yep. Yeah, when I, I had a one history class that was – the guy was amazing. They have a great history teacher. He just – instead of teaching history to us, he had us read the original documents of everything and just decide for ourselves. Like hmm. like the original – Declaration of Independence. Declaration of Independence and the letters written back and forth between the forefathers and stuff. And I was like, yeah. that was cool. awesome. Like he obviously didn't have the original copies, but like he had the, the manuscripts <laughs> yeah. and stuff. That would be so sick. And at the end, he was like – we did a review of the course and he just like, what did you guys think? And I, I just genuinely said that – this is the first class where, like, in, in high school, you're just, it's very pro America, at least my it was. And you get to college and it's like, 
America's evil. It flips yeah. out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah. we're, we're, why can't there be like a middle balance all the way up? And he was devastated that, and the whole class was like, yeah, I think the same thing. They're devastated that that was the perception of academia was that it was just anti-America all the way through college. And I was like, how do you right. not see that, man? Everybody's. Right. Not anti, anti-America, but also anti-God, more so. Yeah. 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 All right, so we got was, anxiety. Yeah, huh? that was, was a rabbit that, trail. Yeah. Um, within the community that we serve in, there's a, a, a and it's hard, so hard because I don't want to reveal any like stories or details of people that have confided in in this, but in me about anxiety and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is, I'm telling you, the most prevalent, if not the se- second or third most prevalent thing that people are wrestling with, mm-hmm. and. I I don't know. I just I really hope that what we've covered tonight is, is encouraging to people. So at least I I don't think prayed away is the is is the end all, but it is a start and it's a necessary start. But there's follow ups after that. And what do you guys? What are your opinions on like medicine? I'm for it. Yeah, I mean, um, like, it, under the right conditions. Yeah. Hmm. What are the what are the right conditions? What do you guys think? Because that's a big question that when I told people we were doing an anxiety. One, they were like, oh, you got to talk about medication. That's a big thing in the Christian community. I, I mean, like, I would. I was like, I think we're all going to agree. I would I generally say to be the last resort after, you know, after mm-hmm. doing everything you can, before, you know, counseling and in the, and then if you need to land on that, then you need to land on that. Because it's an actual thing. Like if you're, yeah. if whatever it is, if your body's not, if your, your brain's an organ, right? So if it's not producing enough dopamine or whatever, mm. just like if your liver didn't produce enough insulin, what produces insulin? Pan- uh, pan- thyroid, pancreas, pancreas, pancreas. Yeah. pancreas. whatever you know what I mean. But any, like anything you know, right? You would take medicine to fix it. Fix, fix anything else. You, you have know. high cholesterol. You take yeah, exactly. a statin. Um, See, he knows things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very common. MD. Yeah, <laughs> does that does, does lower, lower cholesterol? cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah, it says it on the box. Little B told me. But no, to to your point, that's. That's what happened to me was medication became a last resort. Um, it was after, you know, talking about it, going through therapy, um, going through different holistic uh, remedies, you know, whether it was, you know, natural meditation. Salmonella candles. Salmonella candles. Um, I, was sick for, I was sick for a week after this. Um, but, yeah, it ultimately became a last resort. And, um, again, I take it as needed. Um, and it's more for the physical aspect of everything. Um, when I get those like chronic jump scare feelings, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take it and then it just brings that calmness, mm. um, to me. Um, there's other medications, um, different, what they call selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs are a big one that people will do. Um, those are ones that you'll take every day, um, and it's it's up to you and your medical professional um, as to how you want to tackle it. But I definitely agree. You know, try to use it as a last resort. Mm. Um, but again, like you said, if you had any other physical ailment, your doctor would prescribe you medication. And you know, I'm sure none of us have any problem taking a Tylenol when mm-hmm. we get a headache. So you know, it's the same point. thing. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you need two? <laughs> I also would say the medication is not a substitute. Mm-hmm. Mm, you should, should still be in the Word, it's still a, be praying, and still be seeking those things simultaneously. Yeah. Mm. It's a supplement. It's not just, yeah. Yeah, I, 
I don't know the counter argument to what Either we're saying. Why. That's why I'm, I'm surprised a lot of people said. Yeah, like people I respect <laughs> told me, <laughs> you know, you can't take it because if you're right with God, I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I'd have to say, I guess they have to be represented here because I can't represent an opinion. I don't understand. Right. But. But that's like, I, the, the only thing I could think of is like you're altering your mental state, but then so can other like drugs and stuff. So I don't know how that plays into it. I just hope they don't have airbags or wear a mask. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Are they against all preventative which probably, measures? All preventative. Which probably not. Yeah, if they're <laughs> yeah. If they're taking that stance, but yeah. So well, so. hopefully the airbags. Hopefully they have those. Yeah, seatbelts. Yeah, as a last resort. What do you think? Do you think I, I do think they're overprescribed though? Jeff, I, I think any medication is overprescribed right now. Okay. True. That's just the pharmaceutical companies and mm. um, you know the doctors that work in tandem with them. Okay. Um, not to get on a soapbox with that because I'm not nearly educated enough to talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I agree with what you said. It sounded right. But yeah, I mean, you look at kids today and they can't concentrate in class, and then yep, boom, Ritalin. Yeah, mm. he has ADHD. Mm-hmm. Take Ritalin. You know, before their brains have even developed Dude, remember, to a full form. Remember, like elementary school, there was like that one kid who had ADHD. He was like bite kids and stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was like the one. Now it's like yeah. every. Now it's like every kid. Every kid. Well, Which yeah, actually, so it was him. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> it actually may be true, and that could maybe it's a side effect. Like these kids are getting iPads at two, or what, yeah, you know, right. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is true. Maybe the, the attention span is obviously shortening. But well, I just told you mine shortens. Mine shortened right. when I was right. reading. So I imagine yeah. they're going through something similar, but I didn't diagnose myself, diagnose myself with ADHD right. when that yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that they definitely overprescribe those things. So there's a tendency, I think, for Christians to like see like everybody's, instead of getting their their lives right with God or just treating it with this medication to make it go away. And it's like, right. That right. Could, two things can be true. People are overprescribing it and it does help certain people yeah. and yeah. it's biblical. Right. It can be abused like anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like Tylenol, like Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I've seen in my personal life and I've known people who who have struggled with mental health and they've taken a very low, I don't know what, milligrams? Low dose. Low yeah. dosage of it and life-changing for the mm-hmm. better. And it wasn't like they just stopped following God because they had a way to ease their conscience with this drug. It was like... Mm. They just didn't have this overwhelming, crippling blanket of anxiety over there every time they woke up in the morning, you know. And like, I, I, I even was able uh, years ago. I don't know. There's there's certain people that struggle with it a lot, where it's like so clearly a mental health thing. Like I had a, a friend who, like, for years in college, couldn't get out of bed to the point where it was like a week where they were like putting food in his mouth and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he was so depressed that like he said he felt like his arms and legs weighed like hundreds of pounds, and he was like. Legitimately, like wasting away to the point that they take away an ambulance because the depression was so bad, but the parents didn't believe in medication or mm, right. counseling because he just wasn't right with God yet. And it's like he almost died because he hadn't eaten in two, three weeks because he couldn't move and like he felt like his eyelids weighed too much. And there's just something so like if he left untreated, whether medically or spiritually, it can really grow and take be as debilitating as any other, you know, barrier. That's a light note. Yes. This is a good uh, conversation. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So want to wrap up our our last thoughts on this. Uh, We have, you know, a a few minutes for uh, just general discussion. Any other parts of the testimony you want to talk about? Or uh, we hit on apologetics. We hit on 
um, anxiety, and I think we solved that problem. So nobody that's listening is anxious anymore at this yeah, point. Yeah, just, yeah, nice. just calm good. down. Yeah, just, just calm down. Just calm down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just relax. You know? <laughs> or just say it like Chris Jagger, like, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully hopefully they're good. And uh, what were the, the good things again, right? We had how to treat it. Pray, seek Pray. good counsel, seek good friends, find someone you trust and love. Go to it. Part of your, your uh, testimony that I picked up on too was when you came to a good church, it was expository teaching. Yeah. That's yeah. Every time we, we talk to somebody mm-hmm. and, and they talk about a part of their faith where they were bolstered, it seems to be they found the church that taught the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really, really important. I didn't realize how important it was until everybody we talked to. It's because we're talking to people who didn't have it and then had and it. And then had yeah. it. I yeah. always had it. So I didn't realize how rare that is. You know, last week when we were talking about, you know, with Allie, mm-hmm. uh, we were well, talking what a church can go to without that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, opens up, it opens up all sorts of doors. Yeah. Yeah. You come, you come a cult. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so once you plug into that, also the idea, the therapy of, of music too. One thing, like my wife, what she which helps her a lot is not only she doesn't play anything and she doesn't, I, <laughs> I think she's a good singer, but I think it's because when you're married to someone, you, you just like everything about them. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she listens to worship music all the time. Yeah. And, and when she's driving, like that's her, that's her, <laughs> kind of like lock in escape prayer time and helps her a lot. And she drives a lot. So. Yeah. I know we're all um, on the worship music team at church on your weekends off. Do you almost enjoy that more? Because for me, singing and worshiping, you know, in the congregation is almost more freeing and it's almost like, it just brings my mood up just being there and mm-hmm. singing because I can just focus on that, focus on the words. I don't have to worry about drumming. A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That. I worship when I'm on stage oh, too, sorry. obviously. Yeah. I would, oh, I would yeah, say mine's like, but I do. I also worry about other things. Yeah. 60, 40 for me, maybe. Yeah. Um, cause I, I do like drumming, but then it, like for the past like four weeks, like the word, you know, when I wasn't playing, it's like, man, they're killing it. Like move <laughs> the tears. Like, you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, but you can't when you're focused. You can't just be crying on the, on the drum right. set. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, electronic yeah. now, so yeah, they all just go. My short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what I worship most is when I do, when I when I worship most and when I feel God's presence the most, and and when I feel like I'm really connected is when I'm not singing and I read the Bible while worship team is playing. Mm. It's like a new so song I you don't, don't know. And a new song <laughs> I don't know. I sit down. It's being sung over me. It's like the best thing ever when you have like. It's not. It's not the same at concerts. Like where when it's like my buddies. Like when my, when people I serve with and I know are on stage, and their lives are being, you know, their lives that I know they're living for God are on stage and they're just like proclaiming the gospel over me. It's like one of the mm. best feelings mm. ever, man. You get hit from all. Get hit from the word, all sides. Yeah. You get to read the word. Yeah. You're just gonna, yeah. It's it's nothing like it. Oh wow, I love that. I love when worship teams do. It's one of my favorite things when they say like. We're gonna sing a new song. I actually don't want you to sing for the first verse or chorus. Just listen, and I was like, "That's so powerful." When you just get to hear the, especially when the song is like bathed in scripture, you mm-hmm. know, and you just get to hear it sung over you. Chain, chain, some. Yeah, yeah. You also have to have a trusting congregation because a lot of people can be like, "Well, you don't want me to worship." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, be critical of that and be like, "No, we want you to worship differently right now." Like, for a few soak minutes. it in, listen, yeah. No, yeah. play Hosanna again. Yeah. <laughs> Is that an inside joke? I don't know if I get that one. What? What? It's it's a showstopper. Hosanna. 
Oh, the old. I'm thinking the Hillsong goes at it. The old, the old one. Yeah, the old one. Yeah, no, that does definitely doesn't lower my anxiety at all. Mm. I thought, um, what's the, what's the song that we all? The, there's like two or three that you sarcastically in quotes love. Oh, alive. Sarcast- I was just gonna say alive. alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was. Yep. Do you do you ever like it, or did it? Do you hate it because we played it every week for si- like seven years? Chicken or the egg? Okay, yeah. it was never it like your favorite. Around. I don't know. I there was I remember you used to make fun of Made New because it was like oh cool Justin Bieber beat the no that dude. was the it's Christmas song uh, it's Christmas dun, 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 dun. <laughs> wait yep. you know that song no yeah yes you yeah. do didn't you we do. play it at yeah come on, on the parade I, floor I just recited it perfectly you did you did yeah you and I are like yourself. killing it tonight with them singing you guys don't yeah. know yeah you did on the float yeah you did oh what, okay four years ago yeah yeah. <laughs> That was the Justin Bieber song. That was Justin. What, what's another one that you, that's wrote to you that's hard to? I don't know. I think I'm over it at this point. Worship or? He's in his head like playing All American Rejects. Like, <laughs> so to yeah. Because now even with those songs, um, drumming worship songs is almost just meditative mm. for me now. Um, like it just has me to like focus on that. I try to sing. Along with I it, I love that because it's. I mean, you know, it's pretty repetitive. Yeah. What the drums do, um, over like four worship songs. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, n- nothing really bothers me anymore as to oh, like. That's not fun. I wonder. This is a boring song to do. Or fun well, you might as well go around now. Yeah. yeah. What? Are, what? Are... All right. So I uh, let's name the artist too, just in case people don't know. Um, one song that we don't do anymore that I've never liked. Is multiply? Mm. Yes, need to breathe. Need to breathe. Oh. As much as I love need to breathe, hate. Uh, hate. Like as far as I can, like the most I've ever disliked. I the song itself I like. I just don't. I do. I never like playing it because I I just like the words are like your love is like radiant diamonds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's like is that in scripture or are we just like comparing? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it didn't feel like it was rooted enough in the word. But that's a personal preference. For, by the way, I'm not saying it's a bad worship song. That one, right? I, uh, yeah, and alive. I got tired of. Yeah. Um, what was the song we used to, that was used to be the intro song? We used to Unstoppable God. Unstoppable God. That yeah. one got on my yep. nerves. Because Unstoppable God and Alive, the drums were the same. It's oh, just boy. four on the floor. Yeah. Yep. Just all this. Uh, what that all means? Mine, the kick bass going. Doom. Doom. Yeah. Doom. 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 Yep. Doom. All yeah. mine are like that. All, like uh, a lot of Phil Wickham songs. Mm-hmm. Battle Belongs is like the only one that's new that he's made that's like not the four on the floor. Like that's, yeah. his, that's his main thing. Phil Wickham always goes four on the floor. It's poppy. It's catchy. Yeah. How about you, Cole? I've, I've been trying to think. I can't think of other than Multiply. I, I don't... You're too holy to not like no, I just, songs. <laughs> are there songs that you miss playing? That one, we used to play? Yeah. Mine is uh, Reckless Love. Okay. Corey Asbury. Corey Asbury, yeah. yeah. Corey Asbury. Yeah, that's Reckless a good one. Love. Love that song, but I feel like we haven't played it in ages. We had, I think we only played it once. Yeah. I think we only played it like a revive or something. At a revive, I think. Yeah. I like that, the intro to it on guitar. Yeah. That's because that's the one that had a lot of controversy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what do you mean his love's reckless? Like, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not ordered. It's not, you know, like, people had a problem with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one it falls in the same category as. In my opinion, those that, that we uh, other Jesus culture one furious, fierce, 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 yeah, fierce. 
Yes. That Fortress be, 2. I like playing that one, but yeah, that's the one I have the most, the hardest time actually justifying liking. Mm. It's just because I like playing it. That's literally Same. the only reason Fierce? I like it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There's, I like that one. There's too. a lot of songs that I just like playing. Yeah. That... Oh, there you go. What's your favorite one to play? Ooh. I know what it is. Do you? To yeah. play? Are you sure? Yeah, worship song. Are you sure? I don't even know if I... Because you've said it, it you said songs you've liked at least, and I remember the two. I'm, I, oh. I, I don't know what they're called, but I can sing them for you. <laughs> are they newer? Yeah. We're, playing, we're playing one this Sunday. Newer? Are we playing one this Sunday? Uh-huh. All right. Oh, I know. Mighty Warrior? No. no. Number four. No. I, can't even, I can't even remember number what they four. are. Number four. He's a this guy. I don't know. <laughs> number four. Hold, please. Please hold. And the other one. I don't even know the list. I can't, I can't uh, remember the You are holy. All on Earth is in Heaven. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the one you're thinking? That's not the one I was thinking of. That is one of my newer favorite ones. Oh, you're thinking of Fortress. Yeah, Fortress. You're thinking yeah. Fortress. Yeah. But that is you a good one. Just let me have that and say that it was also your favorite. Yeah, Fortress, definitely. Fortress. <laughs> definitely one of my favorites as well. And I know that, and again, I don't remember the, I know it's in C and I know the chords, but the, you, uh, Holy, holy, holy hallelujah, Jesus, you are. And it goes to, what can wash away my sins? Nothing. Yeah. Oh, your glory. Uh, glory. Your glory. Yeah, you said you like that one because it builds really big. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, not for drums at all, um, mm-hmm. but just the dynamics and the atmosphere of mm-hmm. the entire song, mm-hmm. I think is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Which is another reason I like um, Here Again. It's just there's something, I don't know, it brings out something that people sing it like with all their hearts. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I like, uh, for those re- same reasons, uh, Lord of Hosts. Mm. Yeah, not a lot. I mean, it's hard for the congregation to hit that that high, but it's like hearing Lord of Hosts song with a congregation. Yeah. It's like, <sighs> oh, but more recently, sorry, uh, come alive. That's like the congregation meets yeah. us there. Mm-hmm. That's I, that's I think the congregation's favorite. Come alive. Yeah, I mean, at least from how they respond. Yeah, there's been a there's very few songs on electric guitar that are distinguishable from others. Like the lick is always the same four mm-hmm. notes on the pentatonic yep. scale. And so like, that's why when on Sunday mornings, when it's time to play and I'm playing the wrong note or something, playing the wrong intro, it's not because like, I don't know it. It's like, there's like four that are identical, that's but right. there's one note variant. And oh, like, yeah. I'm just like, if I play the first and if I hear it, I'll, I'm fine. But it, yeah, it really is like four notes. No, I started playing something. I hate it. Drums. I just, I hate it because I'm like, yeah, which one is this? Groups. Is it no, this order? It's, um, Grace is on our side, and uh, there's another one we do. It's literally the same thing, but you change the timing, and I'm like, yeah. it messes me up every time. Yeah, every Phil Wickham song is the same intro, mm-hmm. just like a little bit, like one or two variants. And the, the, so it's that part. So when I get a song that's different, I like really like it. Like Egypt, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. little oh. electric part in the bridge, mm-hmm. like that's awesome because that's like a very bluesy, like diminished like chord progression. And it's that means it's, I like it because someone that plays electric guitar wrote that. You know, it, that part for it, mm. that's good electric guitar. It's not like, because it's hard to play. It's not like they wrote a worship song and then they just had electric guitars that played the chords and then eventually found a, a melody. It was like somebody be like, you know what? Like somebody that God and, uh, called to play electric guitar and God, you know what I'm saying? Like it was a skill yeah. that God gave that mm-hmm. person and he used it to create a really cool part. Mm-hmm. And you can recognize that in certain worship songs and not in others where you're just like, ah, that was just a producer saying we need something there. Uh, going to get a quick little lick, you know, and they, they toss it in there. Like Lincoln Brewster, all I can't play half of the songs. I was still. just about to say, I, I think you need to incorporate more Lincoln Brewster solos. We don't have to play more Lincoln Brewster songs, <laughs> yeah, <please. laughs> but just, just solo. add the solos. Yeah, yeah, like made new that that little lick he does before the in the yeah. bridge is so fast, man. I tried to learn it last week and it's like, nope, yep. not happening. Yeah, they're he's he's very very good, very talented. There's not really any others that I 
that I dislike because we do a nice job varying them, I think. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so we uh, <laughs> um, 143. Um, so I think um, that we've gotten better at it. So, you know, we used to have the same household 10. It's like, it's like anything. You, you play, if you're a cover band and you yeah. play Sweet Caroline, like you hate it. You yeah. Know? After time. It's a great song, but how many times are you going to sing it? Yeah. I don't know. What's your... What's, what song... Did you ever say what song you're most tired of playing? Tired of playing? Oh, right now it's Faithful Now. 100%. Faithful Now? Yeah. What is it? Why? It's just because it's the most recent one that we've played a lot. Oh, okay. I can give you numbers if you want to... <laughs> Well, like practicing it for upcoming stuff. No, I'm just no, no, no. And we in the last fifteen Wednesdays, we've done it nine times. Oh, well, Wednesdays. Okay. I don't know why that's a. It is a good song, but... song that lands there. Oh, a Wednesday song, but yeah. But I'm just that, I, I like the song as far as playing it though. It's like, yeah. You know. Isn't it funny though how long it takes for once you get sick of a song because it's so repetitive how long it takes. Like I still have a hard time like enjoying how great is our God mm. because of how many times you've, if you were a Christian, mm-hmm. it was yeah, just yes. beat into your skull for like yeah. a decade. Mm-hmm. The last time I enjoyed that was when we did it on church on the farm in, in French. Oh, okay. Creole, whatever. Yeah. Can you sing it? Bonjour, no one grand. I said sing. No, no. Okay. That's how great is our God. But I don't, again. I don't know when. Bonjour. Slower. Bonjour. No. On. Grand. Nice. Yeah, that one, Your Love Never Fails from we at yeah. camp. That was yes. every worship service ever. Yep. Baby Shark. Yeah. That one's rough. <laughs> Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Yeah. Oh, baby. Definitely Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. I don't care what the devil's going to do. Yeah. It's another one. God of Abraham. God of Abraham. <laughs> Yeah, that one. I don't think they like the kids have any idea. <laughs> nah. the biblical story behind that when you're singing it. Yeah, God, I ever had many. We're talking about the covenant. You know what I mean? The first two lines of the song. Yeah, I remember singing that as a camper myself mm-hmm. way back in the day. Yeah, it's been around for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you are holy was a big one for a long time, and then like all the ones I first said that my heart of worship. Here I am to worship. Those are the big repeated mm-hmm. ones when I first got saved. Um, this is the air I breathe. The stand. The stand. Oh, yeah. Remember like the, the Michael out. W. Smith? That's that's farther than, that's like newer than I'm thinking. Like the, this is the so, air I breathe. So, sorry, that was when I was growing up, unfortunately. Yeah, what, yeah. in the 2010s? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, nice. Yeah. Those are all the ones that if I hear them, I start to like... Twitch. Better is one day. I still like better is one day though. I could play. Uh, which song. one? Which worship song do you think is like can stand the test of time? Or it doesn't have to be a worship song. It could be him or just something that's just will always. You can't say okay. What? I thought you were gonna say Amazing Grace. Oh, no, 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 no. In Christ Alone, that might still be one of my favorite worship songs. I I, I'd say better is one day. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I think it has some modern elements still in it. Like I think it was a little bit ahead of its time. You don't think it's too repetitive and lyrically? No more so than new ones. The chorus is a little bit. Okay. Yeah, no. yeah, I know you're yeah, going to judge I'd, my answer. No, I'd probably agree with that one. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
I was going to be sarcastic and say celebrate Jesus. Celebrate. <laughs> I did that in Spanish one time. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate. Man, they're getting a treat tonight. I was saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Usually they got to pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what else? What's yours? Were you hoping I wouldn't ask? Yeah, kind of. Um, I'm, I'm, I actually think here again is up there. Jesus that, I Come. Is that an old one? It's considered old. old. Jesus I Come will never not be good to me. I think he's thinking like it will stand. Yeah, it oh, will stand stand just, I thought we were talking about old yeah. ones. Okay. No, like it, it'll it'll, just, oh. it'll always be good. Oh, that opens up. Uh, that that changes a little bit for me too. I was yeah. thinking oh, more think? like I was thinking like one that has two thousand and stuff. Oh, I'm sorry, not too much. That's why when you said better one, I was like, wait. yeah, no, that's yeah. not my number one yeah. overall. Yeah, if, if that's it, Jesus, yeah. I come. It might be the top one for me. Seventy years from now, you're still gonna love it. Like, open the eyes of my heart. Good, good father. Ooh, true. I think that one. Has lasted throughout. Hmm. Yeah, I would. I would agree. With, like everybody's. I would agree. I don't, with I don't have anything. Anything new to add? Yeah. Like I, I think. Oh, throne room song. Sorry, I don't know how we did uh, not bring true. that up once. I that almost just dropped an open T thing onto my computer. It would have been a shorter episode than we intended. <laughs> it would have ended with like sounding like we're drowning. Yeah, so I I don't know what would make a sound a song like carry through. Just a, a message that won't change. It's got to have versatility in like music, mm-hmm. yeah. like different parts of the song. It's got to, but it's also like it's got to be doctrinally sound. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Girl, I I think things like girl guy that helps it like last longer and mm. just a good just a good catchy melody. I'm trying to think of the big ones that were popular in the '90s, they were very repetitive. Like my redeemer, that, that whole era. Yeah. My redeemer mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. My redeemer lives. Yeah. That's all it said. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole song. And I won't no, um, come that? now with Oh, the you're time. thinking of. Oh, and I won't. Yeah. What is that song? Oh, man. You are holding that's, that's what you already talked about. Yeah. yeah. That was another one from Cam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the girl. That was the yep. girl guy one. I think that one could be around for a while. Same. I think could. so. Yeah. But the come now's the time to worship. Like I, yeah. all these songs are what I learned to play guitar on. So mm-hmm. they're like stuck in my head. But like, it's yes. like D, D suspended. And you go back down. D, D. I remember it all. Yeah, those. I don't know. I've, do you think in 10 years we're going to think about the songs we're doing now in the same way we do those? Uh, inevitably, yes. I'm yeah. just going to say do just you, because that's how it has been. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Like, I, don't, I don't think – I think I specifically think like in that 90s to early 2000s era, they were just written so simply and so repetitive. Like, but mm-hmm. I think they should be able to last longer if they're more dynamic. Hmm. You get, I, I would think you would get tired of them. Not as quick. Do you think repetitive was like that was bad? So it's loaded. I, th- I don't know if it'd be bad. Not like theologically. Not like, yeah. No, I mean I think it, it's served its purpose. That was just that was what was yeah. hot then. I guess you know what I mean. That's weird to say, but because yeah, yeah. Uh, there's you got to think of the advances in media as right, well. Right, right, right. Back right. then, a repetitive song is because you could either print it on a sheet of paper. Or right. you could have it memorized right. week Very to quick. week. You yeah. don't yeah. have the projector that has the words verse by That's verse on there for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember like, when yeah. we got a projector at the before that we had the papers printed out. Yeah. And I don't think that I, I could be wrong mainly because I wasn't practicing and studying like worship music then. There wasn't as many worship teams making music. There were there were a few, and there were 
feel like um, you're naming like single artists and stuff, where now it's like teams of people putting together songs. And like you were saying with the uh, the one Felix song, Craig and Dean are on a team. <laughs> Philip Craig's and Dean or whatever. Crosby, I don't know Crosby, how many there are. Phillips, Craig's and I don't know. <laughs> is, is there six of them? <laughs> Philip Craig and Dean. Yeah. Um, you were talking about the electric part of Egypt because there was probably electric electric uh, electric guitar player putting that part in there. So there's like actual musicians and multiple mm-hmm. people putting their hands into this songs now where maybe it wasn't as many. Right. And there wasn't point. as much di- diversity because like, how many times Paul do we come Balash, across Chris Tomlin, Michael yeah, W. Smith. You can name, like, you can name like the, the few, yeah. like the handful, handful of people where we find new worship teams all the time. We're like, I've never even heard of these. And yeah. they have hundreds of songs, thousands mm-hmm. of people listening to them just because there's so much more diversity now. Yeah. One day we were like searching up for like new songs and uh, we found this one band that was like very good. Like, the very songs good. were catchy and everything mm-hmm. like that. And then we uh, looked at their theology. Yeah, the theology way was, off. They're all apostles, and they all yeah. believe. Nah. Like, yeah. Mm. So we were like, we were like eh. nope. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, but they were good songs. And, yeah. yeah. Did you see Allie in the audience? <laughs> no. <laughs> but one thing I think that's changed is like, like 2010 and on, on maybe is like worship became much more intentionally. I don't want to say emotional in the, in the negative way, but like they left songs leave space for you to like meditate on, and like there's mm. it's more a lot more pads, a lot more ethereal. Like it completely changed from just a guy in an acoustic guitar and a cajon. Mm. Mm. It's like it, it, you know, it, it's a whole different thing now. Mm. But more like longer intros, instrumentals, and outros. Right, it's like, like set, each song is like setting openness. a scene, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, or not all of them, but you know, a lot of them. Mm. And it makes them harder to copy. If you don't have a church that has like those, oh yeah, I mean, how many times did we do one of them and and like there's like 19 layers of like the pads underneath, and yeah. he's like, he's it's like, I'm just gonna much. do this one. Yep. Because <laughs> when we first started, at, when I first started playing at, at the old building, it was it, we just had like the bare minimum band, and we'd get hear like Hillsong's Hosanna, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah. trying to cover that on acoustic guitar, it's like so lame, and yeah. then you got to cut out all the big chunks, and so it's a little intimidating when you when you smaller churches want to adapt the but. You work your way up, I guess. Go for that sound. You can change them whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice part. I know Matt Chandler's church, the village church, they write all of their own worship to make sure really it's doctrinally great. sound, which That's is cool. which is cool. Yeah. And it's it's good. I mean I, I only I usually just skip to the sermon if I ever watch anything, but I listen to it, I'm like, Oh, I don't know that song. I don't know that one either. And then over time I was like, well, I don't know any of these songs. Is yeah. Texas that far away? And then I found that as like his wife and there's a whole songwriting team for the church. Yeah. And they all write their own mm-hmm. worship music. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Keeps it original. And you, at least you can be like, can't associate it to a church that's bad theology. Right. And also it's probably speaking to whatever the problems are in that yeah. church. Like it's more personal to the... <laughs> you imagine it like calls out like, Tom, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you need to leave. <laughs> You're a drunk. Yeah. No, but I mean, I would imagine if you were like, I don't know, if your church was in or around something like Hurricane Katrina, then yeah. mm, a lot of yeah. songs are like storm-related or I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. even if it's like you're, in Texas, probably like Christian nationalism is big, so songs about how the kingdom of God is yeah, yeah, yeah. above all else kind of thing. That would be pretty cool. So what are we waiting for? Craig, you got remember, some songs, right? I don't yeah. remember when we started this on anxiety, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. True. I'm having anxiety about writing music. Yeah. So, Craig, as we wrap up this episode, what are some final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, so um, it's definitely a difficult topic uh, to open up about and discuss. Um, I appreciate you having me on to share my experience, as difficult 
you know, as it is to open up. And I also appreciate you sharing yours. Um, so wrapping up, I mean, we, we covered a lot of good things. Uh, first and foremost, um, you got to be right with yourself and God. So make sure that you're, you're praying about it. You know, you're going to prayer, uh, you're meditating, you're going to scripture, um, going through the book. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've opened up a Bible and what I've needed to hear was right there for me. Um, and whether it was my daily devotions or just opening up to a random page. Um, anything that I've ever laid at God's feet, um, he has taken care of and, you know, he has provided not always in the way that I wanted. Um, so again, it comes back to that patience and, you know, waiting, trying to see the long term of it. Um, because what I think is best for me may not be best for me. Um, and you won't always see it at the time. Um, then, you know, as we discussed, you, you got to seek those and surround yourself with those that are going to want to better you. They want the mm -hmm. best for you. Um, you know, opening up with them, talk about it with them. Um, those, those people who, you know, you're really close with, um, that'll help, you know, open up and share with them. Um, and also seek help, uh, professionally, mm. uh, if it comes to that, uh, again, whether that's, you know, a counselor within the church, whether it's secular therapist, counselor, uh, doctor, anything like that, um, seek professional help, you know, medication maybe as a last resort, you know, don't be too quick with it, but, um, also don't rely on it. If anything, use it as a supplement, uh, to everything else, um, and also wanted to talk about, you know, that mind body connection. So, you know, go drink, go drink a glass of water, you know, um, have some water, go get some fresh air, exercise, you know, all of that, taking care of your body and yourself, you know, is always going to be good for you. Um, so definitely take care of that. Also did want to touch real quick before we finish up, um, those who are blessed enough not to struggle with anxiety and anything like this and may not understand, you know, everything that we've talked about tonight. Um, I just ask, you know, please, please be empathetic to others who are going through this. Um, you know, you may not understand it, but it's not as simple as, you know, just get over it, you know, just deal with it anything like that. It's, it's not as simple as that. It's, it's a lot more difficult. So please, you know, just be empathetic and, and everything, even though you might not understand. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much, uh, I think we've covered a lot of good stuff tonight. Yeah. So the only thing that I would like to say as we wrap up the episode is that a few years ago when I shared with my local Bible study, um, the anxiety that I was feeling, I, I shared and I got vulnerable and then it was just dead silence, mm. and it was super awkward because I thought that I would get some feedback because I knew other people were struggling with it because it seemed so taboo to talk about because the general consensus is get over it. And what I think is incredibly helpful is the more vulnerable you can be around the people that you trust around you, the better. Because if you have multiple people tackling um, your sin with you, it will be... That's why when Corinthians talks about um, bearing one another's burdens, it doesn't mean just you know, when they need a couch moved, it, it means being vulnerable and literally bearing up underneath and carrying the weight that they're carrying, whether that looks like anxiety or an addiction or whatever that is. So I just wanted to encourage you guys to be transparent and in every circle that you can, because it will bear fruit. Nice. Yeah. All right, guys, you've been encountered. 
We sincerely thank you for listening to this week's episode of Encounter. On this podcast, our goal is to encounter Christ, culture, and each other. And specifically in the each other part, in our real conversations that sometimes span two to three hours, you may hear an opinion that you disagree with. First, please know that scripture is our ultimate authority and that the word of God is the ultimate test of objective truth. Second, know that we are all part of the body of Christ and we are constantly learning and growing as well and would love to hear from you if you think differently on a topic. You can do so by DMing us on Instagram. If you have been blessed by this podcast at all, please subscribe, like, and share it.